All right, just double checking platforms. Am I lined up? We're good on YouTube and we're good on Twitch, so we're all set. Awesome. So, uh, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Lorebeards. Uh, Andy will not be joining us as uh, he is having some technical issues, which have been plaguing him for the week. Uh, for, the, so for, the, for the last three years, uh, actually. Oh, really? It's, <laughs> it's just it's, an ongoing. Yeah, it's the the uh, Rookery Towers in Edinburgh is this vortex of, of it's like a null zone for technology. There's always something. I think it's old stones. I think is what's called. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> they need to check their uh augum stones around the house but yeah. uh we are joined by mark gibbons hello uh, everybody so for anyone that are is not aware mark would you mind kind of introducing yourself talk about what you've done over the years and kind of your relationship with the uh, warhammer fantasy in particular yeah so uh illustrated concept artist art director uh what does it say there seer of sights <laughs> occasion uh, yeah, so I've been an, uh, an artist working in fantasy and science fiction since the late 1980s. Mm. Um, I, I th think like a lot of artists like myself, we I started off as a freelancer, just just sort of picking up jobs here and here and there. But I, prior to a career, I was a I was a a, a very committed tabletop gamer. So any chance I got to do artwork that was related to to the hobby that I loved was obviously a didn't feel like work at all. Um, and after years of, of, of trying and um, uh, coming to Games Workshop's attention as a figure painter initially, um, uh, I, I started getting my first uh, freelance commissions from them, working on things like um, uh, the Deathwing and Gene Stealer expansions for the original Space Hulk. And then yeah. from then, uh, early 90s, I, I joined the studio full time, working on uh, fourth edition fantasy, second edition 40K. Things like Necromunda, uh, Space Marine, and then sort of over over about a five year period, kind of contributed at least something to pretty much everything that Games Workshop did in that time. Mm. Um, stepped away from Games Workshop when video games sort of took off at the, the birth of the PlayStation age. I went to work for Sony and a few other a few other developers, then came back to Workshop two thousand and four, two thousand and five. Okay as a predominantly concept artist at that point, working on the key design team. So I did the concept art and the illustration for projects like Back Templars when they first uh, they first got their own codex. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in 2006, moved to the United States where uh, I went to work for Blizzard um, as ah, an okay. art, art director initially, but also as a sort of uh, concept artist all round and generalist illustrator type. Um, was there for about seven years. Uh, that went to Riot for a few years. But for the last five or six, I've been back uh, as an independent, um, back predominantly in tabletop again, back to the first love. Mm -hmm. uh, and then in two, <laughs> 2000, uh, I set up, uh, uh, well, co-set up uh, Rookery Publications with your uh, esteemed colleague, Andy Law, uh, uh, Lindsay Law, Andy Leesk, and Graham Davis. And we have been working on tabletop RPG stuff, but also board game stuff with a view to building our own brand of uh, action, adventure, uh, RPG, board game, card game, old school tabletop goodness. Well, that is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of things. Uh, so That's the brief yeah, highlights. Man, but so between Games Workshop, Riot, and uh, Blizzard, you've really kind of been in like a lot of the core uh fantasy ips that a lot of people 
kind of keep up with. Yeah, yeah, there's more as well, actually. I, because I, I've done stuff for uh, Battletech. Mm, uh, okay. Done, uh, yeah, I think the only the only big name I haven't done anything for is Dungeons and Dragons or or Magic: The Gathering. I've done I've never done anything for Wizards of the Coast or TSR. So that's still one to tick off the the uh, the uh, the bucket list. Well, you know, you you certainly have had a pretty uh, <laughs> massive influence on like I think almost everybody in chats. Pro, uh main hobbies uh i mean just awesome. looking through a lot of your uh which if y'all haven't you can literally just google mark and you can find some of the just you'll see art that you'll probably if you've been playing warhammer especially back in the tabletop days you'll go oh my god like it's that piece <laughs> or and if you haven't then you'll see how a lot of his work even all these years later is still heavily used or uh heavily inspires a lot of the stuff that we all love um it, it still and still work up, with it still pops up from time to time i think these days with, with certainly with games workshop it tends to be more they 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 dig back through the vaults and they pull out an old piece of my art and make a miniature of it which is yeah. lovely to see after, after <laughs> yeah. all this time oh you, you're making who you're making them wow that's cool yeah i think uh i think i was talking to andy about it and it came up that when they uh, released the new um prophetess character for warhammer the old world and it's like that it just looks like one of mark's <laughs> art pieces brought to life uh like it looks like a model they tried to make back in the day but they just didn't quite have the ability to bring it to life in the way they wanted to the, yeah um, the the, uh, the the new unicorn is yes um, the new is, yeah the new amazing. unicorn yeah, yeah yeah and it's like it's like, yeah, that looks much closer to, I think, what the art was trying to evoke, where it's like, you know, those Warhammer unicorns, they're not nice. They're scary, they're scary creatures. <laughs> yeah, big, big and big and scary, for sure. But, uh, okay, so um, what, we have, like, uh, we have questions that a lot of people have submitted, which we'll get to those in a little bit. Uh, there's a couple things that I would love to pick your brain about. Uh, first, uh, just kind of going through, because when I actually sat down and went through a lot of the catalog, it, it's, it's kind of crazy to me how many of my, a lot of my favorite characters and favorite moments in fantasy have been depicted by uh, your talent, which is incredible. Um, and something I'm really excited to kind of talk about. Um, like kind of looking through your pieces, um, probably the one that really jumps out at me immediately, especially because there's a colorized version of it out, is the the Green Knight. Ah, um, yes. Which is such a phenomenal piece, and is like exactly like he hasn't changed at all. <laughs> uh, this piece, um, I don't know off the top of my head when you originally did did this one. Um, I want to say this originates from the first Bretonia book, or yeah, at least the yeah. fifth edition book. Uh... Is that fourth or fifth? I I I I But it might it may have been it may have been fifth. I, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but 90, 94, 95 yeah, maybe. So I think what I kind of wanted to ask is when it comes to creating these characters and stuff, a lot of whom who are like they're the exact same designs that you managed to conjure up. How was the creation process for that? I mean, did someone come to you with just words on a page or were they giving you like some really rough sketches like what was the creation process of someone coming to you from games workshop or wherever and being like hey we want you to make a piece about x or y it, yeah it would uh, it would often depend on on because ultimately it's about the miniatures so it would often depend on um who's who's sculpting the miniature so if i if i would if i were working with um uh jez goodwin Jez, mm. Jez always did his own concepts. 
Um, and he, he would often have sketched stuff way, way in advance. So even if, even if the miniature hasn't been sculpted yet, Jez will have these, uh, these amazing, uh, comprehensive uh, uh, sketches and ideas um, to, to drive, to channel the, uh, any illustration work. Uh, for something like the Bretonian, which was not Jez's um, area, uh, well, he was not assigned. He's a busy man. Uh, yeah. Between Eldar and, space, Eldar and yeah. space Marines and High Elves, and he, he's got his he's, his dance card is is always full. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll definitely be touching on some of his yeah. uh, some things y'all done together. Yeah. So, as as I recall, with the Bretonian book, I think that was that was Nigel Stillman was the was the writer, and working with Nigel was always a bit of a treat because he would he was always just open to any kind of ideas. So I suspect why what, what I would have got from Nigel at the time was a page of notes, maybe maybe some written up. Uh, law, some backstory, and just some sort of highlights to hit, uh, and then we'll be away. Oh, away oh, you go, go, go do some art. <laughs> go figure it out. <laughs> so I'll go away and do the art, um, and then that art would get given to the sculptor to make the miniature based on. So the the illustration did double duty as a, something to go in the book, but also something to to provide a template for the sculptor to follow. Wasn't always okay. the case. Sometimes you'd get a miniature done first, and you'd be handed the finished miniature and say, "Just draw that." Uh, but but yeah. as I recall, I, as I recall, I only did a couple of pieces for the Bretonian book. I think it was only the Green Knight and the... Uh, and the Fate Chantress. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the miniatures came after the art in in those instances. Mm -hmm. So and you say with the Green the green Knight being colorized, it was... Uh, um, I just thought, oh, I'm going to paint this one in green ink. So all I did was I swapped the color. From, I just, instead of using black ink, I just used green ink. And, and, it and came out beautifully. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was it. Oh, I want to do it green. Like it's it's an absolutely marvelous piece. Um, but I, like I was I was kind of looking through to see like oh I wonder if like he's worked on like any because I had seen quite a bit of your uh like those two Bretonia pieces are super duper famous especially because Bretonia didn't get a lot of books near the end so a lot of their right. arts kind of concentrated to those earlier books. But uh, like a ton of art for like elves and chaos and demons and Skaven and undead, like especially the old classic undead. Yeah. Um, you even have quite a bit of chaos dwarf uh, works that yes. have like heavily, like even the like the brand new chaos dwarf stuff we just got for Total War. You could still see a lot of those inspirations. Like Zatan the Black practically looks the exact same as the way uh, he was, uh, or like that that kind of chaos lord character with the banners and stuff yeah yeah, uh, yeah. originally envisioned which is just incredible yeah it's so i i'm i'm yeah i'm always it's it's very gratifying when when you see that because i think there's there's a um a tendency to want to revisit and overhaul and revamp and and, and they sort of forge had done that with the chaos dwarves they've done they've done a spin on the mm. chaos dwarves the new ones and i really like the way that they'd taken them so that i was expecting to see more of that with the um uh, total war so when they went back to the original um, designs, the first draft of miniatures, and then the illustrations that people like myself and John Blanche and Wayne England had done back in the time, and Dave Gallagher with the color stuff. I, it was, it's, it's always, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see that it still has all these years later. Those mm. original ideas are still the ones that they want to stick with. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what kind of a uh, unique feel it is to just see like a very popular and like ever growing universe, but it's still using the concepts that you uh, manifested, you know, decades uh, after the initial inception. It just, I think goes so far to show how impactful and amazing those pieces are. 
Um, that's very kind very kind of you to say it is occasionally a double-edged sword <laughs> when i was when i was back at the no pun intended it is when i went back to the uh, the studio in like 2005 one of the projects i got assigned to do concept art on was the the, the current uh, uh ideation of the fantasy dwarf range mm. um, so i started doing all these concepts and, this, and and they were they were not exactly as previous dwarves had been and I was told, no, no, you have to stick with the with the original dwarf design work. And I said, you know, I did that original dwarf design work. <laughs> if anybody's gonna, allowed to, if anyone's allowed to change, we're going to need you to be inspired by the last guy. <laughs> surely, surely I get to do that. And they're like, and I said, ah, oh, I wish I'd worked a bit harder first time round. I wish I'd refined my designs a little more. Mm. Room for improvement here, but it's like you can't drift too far away from from what's gone before, which I I understand. But it's kind of like you 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 I you put sort of the guardrails on your own work, you know. Yeah. Previous generation of yourself. It's like I, there's some cool things if you'll just let me go a little. <laughs> yeah. A little bend my own here. bend my own rules. Uh, they, they were not well. You can bend them. You just can't break them, which I I understand. But yeah, it's funny how things come back to haunt you. Hmm. Uh, so I, I guess the next thing I kind of wanted to ask a little bit about is when it came to, uh, fantasy and 40 K and stuff, have there kind of been any projects that even all these years later really stick out to you that were particularly special either due to difficulty or maybe due to just, you were really, really happy with how it turned out. Um, are there any processes or like any of those particular experiences that have stayed with you, um, to like these days? I think well, I, I think certainly there 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 were favorite projects, you know. Mm. Um, I think, I, and it was usually like, oh, I, I like the law here, or I like the miniatures, I like the armies. If I was building an army, I'd want to build an army of these, and that was that was usually things like the Skaven, uh, mm. the original undead, the you know the all all encompassing undead, um, just because I I love painting rat men and and you know ghosts and zombies mm, and yeah. skeletons. <laughs> that was pretty that was pretty much it. Uh, individual projects. I, I, I really enjoy working on Necromunda. Yeah. Mm. Because that was a sort of sidestep from, from, you know, the, the usual bread and butter stuff. It wasn't space Marines, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it it's, was, well, it's such it a, is, such a unique aesthetic, like even within 40 K it's like, it like, it's almost its own universe. Really? <laughs> yeah. Just like, look at the designs they don't even look related anymore because it's just so wildly different, which I, you know, I imagine is a great thing because you get to just go crazy with it. Yeah, it's you know you're flipping a stone on a on a particular kind of dark corner that hasn't been explored before, so it feels fresh. So you've got you've got the sort of the the security of the forty first millennium, you know. Yeah, so the, mm. the rules are in place, but you get to sort of really play with it, really really sort of dive deep and and and, and noodle on stuff. And that's it. I I imagine that's happening a lot at the studio these days with when you've got things like uh, Warhammer Underworlds and Warcry, where you mm. okay, we're just gonna. To dive deep down into this one little one little sharp focus and make that a, a whole a whole arm yeah how band. can we exaggerate this little point yeah um, yeah yeah uh so uh one thing i was kind of curious about is the the thing that really struck me about your art is how many different subject matters you were able to cover a lot of artists that i get to talk to kind of find like a niche and they really which is great you know they find like their niche and they really enjoy it and have a lot of fun there but I mean, your stuff like from 
we're talking like elves to humans to demons to even the lizardmen. Like some of my favorite original lizardmen pieces were by you, some of which have not changed at all. Like Oxyodal is exactly the same as you originally drew him. <laughs> um, back when I don't even like which is insane to me. Like I go back and I look at the fifth edition lizards and I go, Oh, those are nothing like modern lizard men. But then you get to Oxyodal's artwork and you go, Oh no, he's the exact same. He hasn't changed at all because it was just that incredible. But it's like, it's, it's weird to me. Cause it's almost like you knew where it was going to go, even though like, obviously you didn't, but it's just, that's how much uh, control was there as far as, or how much skill I should say was there. But what I kind of wanted to ask you was, how were you able to approach such wildly different looking creatures or characters of that? You know, I tend to find with artists that I'm friends with and stuff who, uh, you know, a lot of them are kind of early in their journeys. They kind of find like something that they're good at and really try and nail that down. Right. But you were amazing at like all these different crazy things like what's the how do you go from making something like the lizard men like your original art for lord croak or oxyodal while also being able to tackle things like marathi or orion or ariel which are all completely different subjects almost uh well again very kind of you to, to say so um it's just it it's uh you have to be a generalist you know at the time when when i was at um uh, at the design studio in the early 90s um there was myself John Blanche, Wayne England, uh, and certainly in sort of 92, 93, 94, that was, that was it. Dave Gallagher was there doing uh, almost all covers, so almost all color stuff. But in terms mm. of internal black and white illustration, um, I, if I'm forgetting anybody, I do apologize, but there was really just the three of us. So we you just had to, you had to, any, as a new army book came up, it was like, okay, well, what do you want to do on this? You can't say, no, I'm not really feeling it. <laughs> no, don't do any high elves. Um, lizards. No, no, <laughs> lizard, man. You had, no, you just had to, you know, strap yourself in and get on with it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always, I was always reminding myself when I was doing that kind of stuff, occasionally you'd find yourself working on an army, but you're like, ah, I don't, I'm not really feeling these guys. But then I'd remind myself that I started off painting, um, uh, 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 posters for banks for insurance policies you know and, yeah. and um, pest controllers uh oh here's a cockroach going into a trap oh you illustrate that so and fr frankly the chance to do anything fantasy or science fiction was was a treat really mm -hmm. um it was very hard to find anything that you're like oh god not this again um uh space marine shoulder pads eventually i think i got a bit sick of <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there is a lot of similarities between all yeah, the it's just they're so, so hard to draw other than anything other than straight on because as soon as you oh i do a low angle and, I, and you get the idea in your head for the character looking all sort of heroic and as soon as you lift that elbow up you block the head you can't see the face go oh, no okay so the arm's got to come down i've got to turn them that way slightly and maybe turn turn the chin that way and uh, uh, yeah it's, it's always <laughs> such a rigmarole every time you want to yeah. draw a space for me doing anything other than standing there looking stoic. Yeah, because every yeah everything's got a there's got to be joints in there somewhere. <laughs> well, I remember, they're not uh, just yeah, like um, forward. Uh, to prove a point, Jez Goodwin did a, a little series of, of uh, line drawings of um, space marines in action, like running and, and 
holding weapons high and firing mm. just to demonstrate to all the artists that you, it could be done. If you understood the anatomy, it absolutely, absolutely could be done. And one of those I just traced off from him. And I think I was drawing um, long beards for the Space Wolves, long fangs, sorry, for the Space Wolves. Mm. And he'd drawn, a, he'd drawn a guy with a missile launcher up on the shoulder and he was sort of holding, holding his leg up and, and, and stood in that sort of it, taking aim shot. And I said, oh, I'm just going to copy that from you. I just drew it off. Added, <laughs> added, added a few wolf pelts. Right, that's yeah. that's, that's been long fangs done. Uh, Carmine, I agree. He is an absolute legend to come here. And if you're wondering why I keep looking over in this direction, it's because I have a whole bunch of his art pulled up. So I'm I'm trying to constantly move around in it because I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to ask about this. I wanted to ask about this. So I I'm I'm pulled between actual mark and mark's art <laughs> is what i'm looking at uh so uh that is that's what's going on every time you see me twitch off to the side i thought i thought it might have been the bunnies i thought the bunnies might have no no me. they're they're on that side okay. but uh and they're they're sleeping so they're good but uh uh so i guess uh so you kind of talked a little bit of it was you know that collaborative effort so when y'all were kind of approached to do a race that was completely new like I'm totally not biased, but like, let's say the Lizardman, for instance. Um, I don't know how much of it you necessarily remember, but uh, if when they came to you and were like, hey, we want to make this completely new race that's wildly different from anything we've done before. Here's kind of what we're thinking for their like designs. What uh, what kind of process did y'all go through from being like, OK, we want to have humanoid lizard guys to like nailing down the concept of a skink versus a saurus and what they would actually appear as? Uh, it, it's interesting that you that you uh, talk about the lizard men then, because I think that was it's a bit of an example of of the uh, evolutionary process happening in front of an audience. Because I did the cover for uh, fifth edition box set, which is Bretonians versus lizard, lizard yep. men. Great piece, awesome. Thank piece. You. Those knights just chasing down a bunch of bunch of skinks. It looks great in Saurus. It's very nice. But if you if you look at the the, the lizard men on that painting. They're not the same lizard men as eventually came out um, in the army book. There's no Aztec South American influence. They're more kind of um, uh, sort of Stone Age uh, primitive vibe to, to all, the, hmm. all the gear. Because when I was when I began painting that illustration, yeah, the 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 the, the subtleties of design for the lizard men had not had not really been resolved. Um, and that came sort of later, so they, they they don't quite look like right lizard men. They don't quite have um, uh, 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 the, the the subtlety of, of of the shape language that we mm. now associate with the lizard men. It's a bit lacking. It's like it's a sort of a primitive version of it. And you could argue, oh, this particular lizard man tribe is a is a is a slightly different faction to the ones we normally see in the army book. If you if you if you felt you had to. But they they did they did actually evolve a little bit. So when we came around to do the army book, I was very aware that oh yeah, this is we we dialed it in a lot more. And that, that I think that tends to happen over time, um, anyway. But it usually happens at, at, at such a slower pace. It'll be sort of between editions. You know, you'll mm -hmm. see oh, oh they're revisiting this particular faction, and you'll see new miniatures. Some of the old miniatures will be phased out. You know, new stuff will be brought in, new new character types, new um, unit types, and and that usually involves a, a, then a dialing down and a refining of the um, the, the language, the archetypes, mm. the, the, the all the imagery. So it, it um, mm. it's very rare that it's it, that it hits it right out the at the uh, at the park first time out. Um, 
because it is sort of a it's part of a it's part of a, of a continually evolving process. If you look at the undead, you think about the undead. We look back to sort of the, the first army books, of, I guess, fourth or fifth edition, where mm. it's yeah, we've got mummies and vampires and oh, yeah, all the zombies all under one thing. And then you look a couple of generations down and it's split into vampire counts and tomb kings. And now, and then you look now, Age of Sigma, you've got the Night Horns, Osiak, Bone Reapers. Yeah, it just the, keeps further subdividing. Uh, yeah. What the soul. Yeah, the like uh, Soulfly Grave Lords and then the Flesh Eater Courts. It's like, right. yeah, there's a bunch so of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that didn't happen overnight. That's like a 30-year evolution. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, it's, it's, so, it, it's so interesting that even though within that evolution, there are times they kind of seem to, like, not... I don't like to say devolve because that almost has, like, a negative impl implication, but, like, falling back... Um, as they're moving forward like one of the things that really jumped out at me um uh, being a, like a really mainline seraphon player was that when we were getting the new seraphon line um about a year ago now uh well it, a little more recent than that but uh when they made the new lord croak model um it's like an absolutely beautiful brilliant piece and it's so heavily designed on your version of lord croak as opposed to everything that came after um, where he's like all wrapped up and he's got like the crossed arms with the, the, the twin sabers and everything. Like they went hard back to your design uh, and kind of abandoned a lot of the stuff they had done up to that point, uh, which I thought was such a brilliant decision because it's it's so much more iconic looking. It has such a more, uh, I, don't, I don't know if stately is the word, but certainly more threatening looking than kind of him just being all shriveled up on his chair. Um, but I... It's it's so fascinating to me to watch how they kind of have these interactions with this artwork that was like originally created to work with these minis, right. and then they kind of leave it behind, but then eventually they end up going back to it. Uh, <laughs> where they I, yeah, go, oh wait, no, we can actually do this now, or whatever it was that limited them back in the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, was, I mean, it's it's again. I say it's nice. It's nice when that happens. And um, I think maybe. I mean, I I always I always felt I was drawing miniatures rather than illustrating um uh you know real world real world it, characters fantasy characters it was all i would because i was such a, a gamer myself um, originally i was always i think perhaps i was always thinking from a um a miniatures perspective mm -hmm. um, um or tabletop perspective what what's going to look good in, you know if if i if i'm drawing this thing and then i'm imagining it on the tabletop yeah what's what's going to be the best pose and then what's going to be the most dynamic what's going to be the most effective angle to to render this this creature from and i think possibly over time they thought oh, yeah that's not a bad philosophy to take when we go in to make a new version of a miniature as much as i as much as i love a lot of the artwork that's come since that's more impressionistic lots of sort of shadow and, yes. and smoke and you know, very very mm -hmm. um evocative whereas my stuff was more about draw the toy soldier yeah i was i was about as you're saying that it, i was just kind of thinking um a lot of the new art you know it it's a very nice illustration, but I think what you said that really jumps out at me is that a lot of your art literally looks like the mini, like, or it looks like I could, I could see that they were either trying to recreate it and often, unfortunately, weren't able to pull it off back then. Um, but a lot of the times nowadays, they actually are starting to pull it off, which is why I seems to be why we're seeing so many of them coming back is maybe they had these kind of <laughs> these works that they're like, yes, this is, this is what we always wanted to do, but we just, we just couldn't. Uh, with the tools they had at the time, uh, when I think about like the you know the new the new prophetess and Lord Croak are just very easy examples of that. Um, but even like looking at your old Nagash art, 
um, that you made in uh, 94. Like that, I think, was the has a relationship with the old Nagash Mini, but the Nagash Mini did, didn't necessarily pull off the look. <laughs> Big hat Nagash is like that, that little, yeah, little I mean, Nagash, like he was, he was delightful, but this art's like terrifying in an awesome way. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, the, the, the limitations of, um, the, again, the technology and the cost. I mean, if you said, oh, no, we're going to make we're going to make Nagash the same the same size as the plastic kit is now, but we're going to make it in lead. You know, you yeah, the, <laughs> I'm sure the that logistics, a... the casting logistics and then shipping and, and pinning and assembly would be a nightmare. You know, mm -hmm. it would be like the 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 uh, the, uh, the metal uh, Thunderhawk that they that they did briefly. That, oh that, my god! You know, yeah. it's like that. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, need you to open your own out. personal mine so we yeah. can make this many for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so when you were creating these pieces, did you ever feel any kind of like concern or limitations because there was a mini involved? Like, were you ever kind of under the thought of like uh, having certain? Uh, borders in place of okay, I don't want to go too much into this way or make this too big or too grand because it's supposed to uh, be a artistic rendition of this miniature that's been created. Or did you not really worry about that as much? No, I mean really the opposite was true. It's like take the miniature and, and, and breathe life into it, make it more than it than it is on the tabletop. Mm. Um, so it, it, you were sort of always encouraged to to sort of run with that kind of stuff. To just take the, the miniature is one thing, the art is something else. They, they, obviously, the, obviously, if it's a piece of piece of art that's meant to represent the same character that the miniature meant, is meant to represent, assuming that the actual character is something else again, then it's okay to have to have different interpretations as long as you can look at both and go, oh yeah, I see, I see the the, the commonality here. I see that this is yes, this is Nagash, but in this illustration, there's smoke pouring off his staff. He's got hordes of zombies rising out of the ground around him, bats mm. flying everywhere. We don't expect that on the miniature, but we understand that they exist. They're from the same world, same universe. They are, they represent the same dread force of undeath. Hmm. There so, you go. Yeah, just do we that. Got, we got a bit of a cheeky <laughs> comment in here. I don't know if you're aware of the, the drama behind it, just because it's kind of funny in this uh, community particularly. So Hammond asks, uh, what are your thoughts on quaddles and if they should have beaks or not? I don't know if you're aware of the quaddle of, uh, of you might have actually been the one to draw the art but in the fifth edition Blizzardman book there's this big feathered serpent uh that's flying around with a little skink priest on its back um and there's been there's been a lot of jokes on quaddles because i think they're based on the the original myth of um uh quetzalcoatl being yeah, the, the, the feathered serpent the winged serpent yeah yeah so uh there was a so do you think that should come with a beak <laughs> is the question. Optional beak. Um, oh, I, I mean, there, I mean could it, you, could, well, why not both? Can you have yeah, yeah, I guess to, could, the, you, beak, could the beak strain and the, the greater beaked uh, coatl and the lesser uh, lipped coatl? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, when when Total War created theirs, they ended up putting a bird beak on it, which caused some interesting conversations because oh. all the original art it has like a, a serpent head or a dragon head, uh, so it was just interesting. I think I, I'm always I always think you've got to if when you when you're mixing you, species Carmen. when you're mixing species you sort of have to you have to get the balance you have to get the balance right. You don't want it to if you can find a sweet spot where it, it, it incorporates all the all of the, the coolest elements of both donor species i think that's that's the best way to go if you go if you lean too far into the one 
area. You, I did a, um, I did a design for a creature called a wharf rat for um, League of Legends, um, hmm. and it's essentially it's a cross between a rat and a shark. Um, oh, and, okay. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's got so it's got it's so it's got uh, um, it's basic rat proportions, um, but it's got a lot elongated snout like a shark snout and a flattened flipper tail. Uh, and the color scheme is almost like a great white where it's dark on the top coming around to a pale underbelly. Mm -hmm. um, and then somebody said, oh, what well, you should put a, a shark's fin on that. And I said, no, if I put the shark's fin on it, it's a shark with legs. Right now, it's, <laughs> right now, it's both the rat and the shark. So it's, you've got to hit that sweet spot between the two things. So it may it may be that the um, the beak on the koala is, is too birdy. Mm. I, I, you know, I don't know. I think it might be a case by case basis. Yeah, that is actually really interesting. Um, and yeah, sir, I do agree. That does sound, I could absolutely see the Skaven having <laughs> something like that wandering around. Um, Hammond, so uh, interesting you bring this up because I was actually about to talk about a little bit when it comes to Croxagore design because Mark actually did draw uh, one of the like original Croxagores. Uh, and his is it's very scary looking <laughs> like it is a very heavily muscled very tall uh lanky creature um which uh you can kind of see how it's the, the croc score is probably one of the most interesting lizardman designs just how drastically it's changed literally every single edition because i just feel uh, i games workshop seems that they just couldn't find a version they were happy with until very recently um yeah but... i mean again that's an that's an example of, of sort of the uh, uh evolving design you know mm. um because you get i guess certainly when you're doing miniatures because there's so much lead in and 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 this has to be a certain amount of shelf life for whatever kit you make you mm. kind of got you you've got moments in which to get it right so you always know a games workshop are never happy what they, they will go back to a design that you think, well, that's already, you can already buy that as a plastic kit, for example. Yeah? Mm. No, they, they, they go back to it again just because they don't feel that they've nailed it yet. I think the new Crocs are fantastic. Yeah, I, I I think they finally yeah. really hit it on but the it head. it took a while. It took a few goes. Yeah, I, I think it's the, uh see, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth. So, yeah, it's the fifth iteration on the Crocs score, which is wild. <laughs> but, um so you kind of talked a little bit about like when creating new creatures, uh, especially like hybridized creatures, that there are some really interesting challenges there. Um, are there any other challenges that really come to mind for you when it comes to like designing fantasy races or fantasy creatures where someone comes to you and they're like, yeah, we kind of have this theme in mind of like, it's this critter with this critter, or we're kind of thinking of like this culture that sort of exists maybe, but we want it to have like these kind of unique racial themings to it, or like it's this kind of creature, but it has the equipment as if it comes from this sort of background. Is there anything that kind of jumps to mind for you when looking at cr bringing those kinds of creatures to life? I mean, really just trying to try and ensure that what when you're pulling influences from all over the place, that it doesn't just look like a, like it's been, you know, Couple together. It doesn't look like mm. a kit bash, you know. Yeah, it don't look it, like it, an AI generated. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's got to, it's got to sort of hang together with some sort of believability. Even though, even though there's always uh, uh, what we call the rule of cool. As long mm. as it's cool, that's fine. It's true, but it also, if you can, if you can give it some sort of legitimacy, you know, some sort of a narrative sense. I always look for, a, I always look for what I call a hook. With it, with a new design, something mm. that if somebody looks at it, and doesn't know anything about it, they'll 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 
piece together a narrative based on on just the imagery that they've seen and and that's actually something that is is interesting and compelling so that mm-hmm. that's always the biggest challenge for me coming up with something that is a coming up with that hook that thing that that just makes people go oh yeah cool uh carmine thank you very much for the super chat uh how, could you ask mark how he would draw uh i assume that's supposed to be archaeons but got auto corrected to archdeacon uh, <laughs> but uh archaeon the ever chosen's mount uh, i think that's a great question so archaeon the ever chosen the big bad three-eyed king um so his the whole thing of his mount is a shapeshifter so it can technically take any form it's just a demonic creature that can take what it's known as the steed of the apocalypse yeah. but other than that and in original fantasy, they just made it a big demonic horse. Yeah. Uh, and then in Age of Sigmar, of course, it's turned into the colossal three-headed dragon that, like, each of its chimeric heads is a different greater demon, which pretty cool. Um, so Carmine's kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but is there anything that kind of jumps to your mind if someone was like, we need you to create the steed of the apocalypse for a big a guy with big heavy chaos warrior and big heavy armor to ride on? Is there anything that sort of leaps to your mind for that? Um, I mean, it's. I mean, I I I do like the just the big classic, big black horse. I think I, th- I think it's hard to go wrong with it with with that. Um, although I absolutely for Age of Sigma, yeah, enormous. Yeah, I, chaos, I massive chaos. So this dragon is kind of a follow up you know, question. Uh, I don't know why I'm in. Inter- sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry, no, it's fine. <laughs> I do that a lot. Um. Is do you think there's anything to uh that kind of should be said about uh like purposefully understating when you have like a certain threat or a certain character in the sense that what does Dorgar the demonic horse offer that because I imagine for a lot of people they go, Oh, well, that's a big three-headed flying dragon creature, so obviously that's the better choice. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I'm I yes, to take your Take your point about um, uh, understated. I, I mean, I, I absolutely understand for like tabletop presence in a battlefield role, giant miniature hero riding giant beastie is is sort of significant. But I'm yeah, I'm a sucker for the um, you know your Frank Vazetta death dealer archetype. Just this the new the new um, um, uh, harbinger of pestilence. Oh, harbinger of decay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that really that, that hunched figure sat on a rotting horse. Just, just give me that. I just, I just want that. You know, yes, you could do a three-headed uh, uh, um, dragon of decay. That would actually be pretty cool too. But I, I you know, you, I, you can't beat a, a menacing horse stood on a hill with a hunched rider. You know, from all, all the way back in Tolkien, it was there. Yeah. So, uh, how much? Uh, mm, ah, actually, that's really interesting. I didn't even think of it from like an inspiration length of like that the dread that's kind of inspired by the spooky guy on a horse that kind of calls back to so many different fancy IPs and also probably our history as well. I imagine there are probably times in human history where a lone rider on a horse was probably not a good thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. And obviously, if he turns up on a three-handed dragon, that's not good either. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. That's actually really interesting. Um, I yeah, I think there there can be a lot to be said about that dread maybe kind of loses its effect when you get a little too bombastic. Um yeah, yeah. When they, when the menace goes away and it's just it's the flagrant horror of it, you know. I found this and when um when um every Hollywood movie first embraced uh CG and thought, oh, we don't mm. have to do stuff with smoke and mirrors anymore, we can just do all yeah, you know, give you all these effects. And obviously the the the, uh, the tech wasn't quite there 
So you ended up with a lot of very ugly uh, you know, movies. In the yeah, they haven't, they haven't aged particularly well. No, no. And you could argue that even now it's like, yes, you can do it right now, but you don't have to every time, you know? Yeah. So uh, if you're kind of thinking about Dorgar, is there anything that would kind of drop, uh, jump to your mind of uh, what, how would you, if you're like taking a horse and you want it to be like, in truth, it's this horrible uh, abomination that's here to bring the end of the world, but keeping it, kind of vaguely horse-shaped is there anything that sort of jumps to mind of particular traits you might lean on or particular other universes you might use for inspiration when you're like approaching a piece like that I mean, I, yeah i think you play play with the proportions play with it i mean everything from number of limbs number of eyes just sort of mm. the, the, the things that aren't quite right like well it's a horse but what's what's going up with its teeth which got these huge great scything fangs and 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 it's it's hooves are sort of clawed and the um uh what are those chaos uh knights the varangard yeah the, yeah the varangard those, those yeah. three those three characters they were amazing yeah they, they've really got the they they nailed yeah. the chaos Devil, force yeah they, yeah they kind of just took the demonic steed and were like what if we made a unit of these instead of just a character of them yeah i would rather i would rather build and paint a bunch of those than than um uh archaeons Mm. massive three-headed also Lindsay thing. says hello Lindsay, oh. thank you for coming by great hey, to see Lindsay. you uh so um another uh thing that kind of uh oh okay we got another super chat here that popped in that said will you ask if there's any fantasy race you would like to see in 40k that's not already there that's a very specific question <laughs> so if you could take any fantasy race and i guess 40 kify them uh which i think could come with some really really cool things is there anyone that sort of goes to yeah. the head of the pack for you yeah skaven yeah yeah as yeah, yeah. skaven really like some really. of them look like they wouldn't even have to change like it can no. claw could easily just I, <laughs> you just drop them in yeah just 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 taking that tech i mean jez would want to jez wouldn't want to just go oh let's just give them space bubble helmets and, and change the guns jez would want to to really kind of breathe breathe a whole a whole uh uh life and civilization and history uh, into them um because otherwise it's a bit of a lazy yeah well like skaven, over, sure. their whole their whole concept where skaven are all about cannibalizing other people's tech and then making it work with even more dangerous unreliable fuel sources because <laughs> like you have orcs which kind of use orky nonsense to loot things but i think with skaven the real magic is that they make it even more dangerous to them as well as the opponent you i mean you think of uh, of skaven at the heart of the empire right they are mm. they are the city below the, the the world of men so you go okay well let's go let's go to back to terror let's go to the imperial palace let's have been in in the catacombs beneath the imperial palace mm. is where the skaven are born uh, okay well how can we how can we move that out into into the wider universe you know what, what wow that would actually be a really fun thing to explore from a story perspective of like the skaven use humanity to get initially to start spreading uh, and yeah. it's like kind of always been there as a shadow ah that would be that'd be spicy that'd be that'd really be. spicy <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the, the skaven would be would be my immediate choice you know do just do a kill team to start with let's not go crazy let's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Let's make well, an amazing I, I, kill team i've been really enjoying the kill team sets as far as like allowing them to explore like the beastman kill team i was yeah. so happy to see that like like i know there are beastmen in 40k but like they're they're so underappreciated <laughs> so it was really cool seeing that kind of 
uh, brought to life. So, I mean, is there anything that, uh, like a subject matter that is in either 40k or fantasy that you would love to see kind of brought to the forefront that just isn't really there anymore? Either they never got minis or they're just not supported nowadays. Is there anything that kind of jumps to mind for you? Uh, if someone came to you and was like, hey, we want you to create, like, draw these up so we can make minis of them. I mean, there's. I, I'm a. I'm a big fan of the kit bash. So I, I. I like to take uh, um, existing miniatures and sort of twist, pervert them a little bit. I, I'm working on a kill team for um, um, fallen uh, sororitas, mm. the adept sororitas that have fallen to to, uh, to chaos, um, and I'm and I'm chopping them all up with with uh, uh, war cry miniatures like the, the oh, yeah, cabal. Yeah. So they've all got these sort of feathered beaked uh, outfits. Oh. Oh. They're all sort of, it's an inquisitorial war oh, band. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, oh yeah, massive, massive yeah. sisters of sisters of heresy. Yeah, that, I, yeah, that is a pretty popular ask. I think I see around a lot is that kind of chaos renegade idea of like Imperial Guard and sisters and all these guys that have fallen. But you know, right now it's just chaos space marines, and that's it. You know, it's like where's all the cultists? Where's all the where's all the other guys that actually make things? work <laughs> within that chaos system can't just all be space marines no i mean we are yeah we're certainly you're seeing a lot more of the sort of all the chaos cultists miniatures and things are all, are all coming in now but, but it's always like yeah i want to use them i want to chop them and make them make new things with them mm. and then work out which army list <laughs> works best you know when, when i want to bring this to the tabletop but i'm i'm always i'm a sucker for for the kit bash for, for making my own stuff i've got a, an orc kill team um they're all bikers but you can't have motorcycles in kill team so they're all running around with handlebars and with a, with a <laughs> gun the Monty strapped Python. to the handlebars. They're just making rev noises. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Only awesome. one of them has a wheel. The boss, the boss has a wheel on, on his horse, but the rest of them don't. <laughs> but they're all they've all been cast out from the original clan. So there's, oh there's blood axes gosh. and evil sons and and, mm. and death skulls. You know, just all cobbled together in this in this loose biker fraternity. They are the sons of anarchy. Oh my god. I I hate that as much as I like it. <laughs> Which is that's 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 when you have a good one. It's when it's awful. Yeah. So that yeah, that's that's the stuff I I enjoy just just sort of messing messing with it a little bit. Mm. Uh, uh looking through some of the other pieces. One one of the pieces that uh I I know I keep going back to it but it's cuz I have a theme or something. Um when I look at the the Lizardman pieces, one of the ones that really jumps out at me that I've been I've been pleading and begging the the total war guys to try and slip into their game is the the skinks on horned ones uh because we have the tichuichi art uh that you did yes uh, tichuichi's right. raiders and uh i love them so much of like oh skinks that are like more melee focused and ride like these scary dinosaurs and stuff and i uh was so sad when the dogs of war went away but then in age of sigmar they brought them back and now we have two variants of skinks riding dinosaurs into combat that aren't just pterodons which it's like Okay, well, I've got them in tabletop. Give them. I need right. my video game version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they, are they doing that? Are they are they migrating units back from Age of Sigma? Uh, to my understanding, when the old world comes back, the answer is vaguely yes. Right. Though we're not we're not sure to what extent. Uh, so like like any of the new minis that have a direct one to one, you can use them 100. Like the new Saurus Warriors and the new Croxgors, you can absolutely use them in the old world. Um, but like the skink riders, which could technically be horned one riders, 
<laughs> we don't we'll have to see house um, rules house rules for yeah sure. house rules yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, i mean i'm gonna use them someone can try and stop me <laughs> <laughs> um but like i know uh one of uh andy's favorite pieces that you did is your your sword master of hoeth Oh, um, back when um the the tower of hoth was very very different in concept where it's this giant pillar that has a city at the very tippy top instead of like the more modern art where they made it into like that really slender uh tower but like i really love that your elves and your dwarves as well they're so inhuman looking in like a great way of that they're not just humans with pointy ears or humans that are short like they have such unique proportions um, and like aspects to them, whether it's their eyes or other parts of their bodies that make them look very alien. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Which I think is, it's such an interesting thing in fantasy that I think tends to be such a trap people fall into of that their non-human races are just human plus of right. it's a, it's a human with a pointy ear or, you know, humans with just extra big beards or whatever it may be. Um, is there anything like when you're when you're kind of approaching uh, a race of keeping it like recognizably humanoid um, and not having it too ridiculous? Is there anything you kind of look for as your go to checklist for like, how can I make these guys really stand out and be like, if you look at them from a distance, they might be human. When you get close, you go, oh, no, definitely not. I think it, it, it varies from, from race to race, obviously, with the uh, proportions in the face is always a huge thing. You know, um, uh, you don't want a dwarf just to look like a chunky Scotsman. You you know, you do really want to. <laughs> yeah. You do want to, although I've seen a few Scotsmen that do look very dwarven. Yeah, um, you, yeah. You want you want to uh, uh, how how heavy are the brows? How um, how far apart are the eyes? How deeply sunk into the skull? What what are the masses of the skull like? The the breadth of the nose and all that kind of stuff. It's all hopefully it all it all plays plays in mm -hmm. um and what you end up with is not just like oh it's a human in a big comedy beard you know mm -hmm. same with the elves as well a sort of a a, a gracefulness to the features a, 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 um an elongation of the of the shapes the re I, and the eyes i always i always do my el my elven eyes um without pupils uh, or yeah. irises because yeah, which, that's how because that's how jez goodwin I, drew them yeah, I love that version. Like that was such a big thing for me with Vermintide when they released uh, Karelian. She she doesn't have those. She has like almost pure black eyes, uh, and it's so much more like intimidating, but also kind of beautiful looking than yeah. just regular eyes. Um, and it's like ah, so much more interesting. And it, it also kind of feels like maybe that can help explain why they like see so much better than us, and they can like see things that we can't because their eyes are just so fundamentally different. Um, and it should be represented visually, um, which is so great. Because uh, it's, yeah. it's unsettling it, it, when you see it, it's unsettling. Now, Jez, um, <laughs> Jez will tell you that the, he thinks the reason he draws uh, elves without or eyes in generally without without pupils or irises is because he has he has been the victim of alien abduction, and he says that's he says that's one of the things. <laughs> That's one of the that's one of the sure signs that you've been abducted by aliens is that you stopped drawing eyes properly. I don't know if that's true. Um, the world uh, will never thought, know. I thought, yeah, the sort of jeweled, almost sort of polished jeweled feel to their eyes was it just made them um, um, unhuman or inhuman mm. in, so, in a way that really worked. But yeah, it's, it's I think you've got to be careful there when you. It does mean if you if you're trying to to illustrate them uh, uh, and you and you need to to communicate subtle gesture or expression if you suddenly mm. don't have, really have the eyes to play with you're making your life a little harder you know if you can't show 
the angle of the eyes are looking at it's just it's they're, they're unreadable it makes them um, enigmatic but it, you're also, also kind of hamstringing yourself a little bit in terms of communicating a particular feeling so it's mm -hmm. a it's a swings and roundabouts thing hmm uh, so, uh, I do want to go ahead and start getting into some questions from the community just to make sure that we have time to get through them all. Um, so, uh, I do have one question in particular from, uh, a GM that runs my Warhammer fantasy roleplay sessions on Sundays. Uh, and he told me to ask you about Felix Jaeger's pants. And he said you would know, or, uh, <laughs> what that was about. And I was like, mm -hmm. anything Felix's specifically pants. about them? And he was like, he'll... Like, uh, I wonder if he's still here. <laughs> but because you, I know, I know the, Felix. I, yeah, you are we talking OG? about his trousers or his underpants? Because there's mm. a definite distinction between the two. Uh, okay. Does one of them <laughs> jump out at you as would be something someone would ask about? <laughs> no, I, actually, I don't know. But I mean, you know, there's a, there's a, it's, it's if we're getting into underpants, it's starting to get a little more sinister. Um, but I have to say, no, I, I don't. What was what, what was what would have been significant about Felix's pants? I don't know. I got I got no, criticized for my he, pants. Yeah, he didn't give I, me anything specific. I got <laughs> like Gojek's pants. I get they're very like striped and crazy looking. Oh, sorry. I meant I thought you meant the sculptor Felix. Felix Jaeger, the the uh, yeah the, yeah the, the adventurer Gojek's buddy. Go <laughs> yeah. No, you're talking about uh, Felix uh, uh, Pangea. I was like, well, Felix, what? Felix is No, 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 Jaeger. Oh, yeah, yeah. his buddy. Yes, yes. I, I, I gave him stripy pants because I was the first guy to draw him, and he's had stripy pants ever since. Yeah. Wait, was there, yeah, <laughs> was there anything? That was it. No. Um, I, if, if why I gave him stripy pants, I don't know. It's just, oh, I'm going to give him stripy pants. And then that's, that's, and then the miniature was painted up with the blue and white stripes. And then yeah. every single painting of, of Felix since then, um, he, he's had the striped pants. Yeah, I mean, so he, could he could change them. I mean, he doesn't, there, he doesn't there's, have there's to no keep like wearing epic, them. There's no epic story behind it. You didn't have a pair yourself and you just wanted to have them in the no, world. I did, I, 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 I remember Adrian Smith gave me a hard time once because I, I was back in the, you know, back in the 80s and into the 90s, I was a bit of a rock and roller. I used to wear sort of leggings and biker boots. And I remember getting a hard time for wearing ladies' tights. <laughs> um, so I thought well, that's where we might have been going. But no, yeah, it was just I. Um, I'm going to give him stripy trousers, and and he it's, has. It's remarkable. He has forever, forever worn the stripy trousers. Like it's remarkable for me for like how famous Gotrek and Felix are. Where they got yeah. they got so many books, they got so much art. They're in the video games and stuff. They have not changed. They have no. been the exact same <laughs> for like. 30 plus years <laughs> which is just incredible i mean sure i mean maybe he's got a tailor maybe there's a specific tailor he goes to and you know and yeah and but i imagine like always just... wants to there, maybe there's lucky pants and yeah not, yeah that could know, be it they've been repaired ten thousand times you know but he can't possibly live without them i mean i imagine traveling with go trek all the time you probably don't carry too many I think there's a novella. There's a novella, or at least a short story. Felix's pants, the ballad of Felix's pants. That would not surprise me in the slightest. It should be one. <laughs> Black Library, get on, get on it now. Uh, so, man, Carmen, thank you very being very generous. Uh, the stream. So it said, uh, Carmen says, ask Mark uh, if he was going to play 40k and had to pick between these three armies, would he choose orcs, Eldar, or Imperial Guard? 
uh, Orcs um, because he allowed me the greatest opportunity to kit bash. There you go. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm probably kit, my, kit bashing my, seems to be very near and dear to your heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, I think honestly, my my play style is such that orcs. It's it's that's the best I can do. Mm. Um, really, you know, I love I love Eldar. I've enjoyed the, the Eldar painted over the years. I, I've really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed them. Um, uh, I've actually got a slightly kit bashed set of the um, uh, the Void Scar uh, the Kill Team. The, the, mm, the, the, mm. the, the, yeah, the pirates. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, yeah the, the free Buddhas. The free yes. Buddhas. Yeah. And I and I I did I, I did a bit of kit bashing with um some uh, uh dark Eldar and you know mixed some bits up. I haven't got around to painting them yet, which is always my my issue too. But orcs, I yeah, I just orc it, an Imperial Guard. I mean, maybe there might be a unit that I really like. Um, but orcs would be my go-to. Uh, goths probably. Ah, gotcha. Uh, okay, so we have uh, some questions here from the community. So Scythe Petals asks, what character or faction from Warhammer Fantasy did you enjoy working on the most? Um, I, I, Undead or Skaven, I think, probably. Probably. Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to have to say Skaven. Skaven? I mean, it's a good pick. And you've made some really, really. Uh, you even have some pieces like fairly recent as well for like a uh, Warhammer Fantasy roleplay. I think. Oh, I did it. I did one. Yeah, yeah. It's got like the I, assassin coming out of the 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 well or something. Yes. Yeah. When um uh, when I first started working with Andy Law uh, and it was on um Rough Nights and Hard Days and, and mm -hmm. he gave he gave me sort of list of the of the pieces they need illustrating and one of them was a Skaven. I said, well, I'm obviously doing that. Yes. So yeah. uh, I just wanted to show the chat that uh, just uh, just because of like how amazing his pieces are. This is literally based off of one of Mark's drawings. This Lord Croak that is the, the the modern version. Yeah, the fundamental cross the cross the sort of the bound mummified corpse thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like really the only difference is that he floats now instead of being carried. But it's like it's it's so it like. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it holds up so well. All these years later, it's it just a, blows a great. It's a great looking miniature. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, and Games Workshop want to continue giving little nod back to those old pieces. I'm, I'm delighted. Hopefully, uh, they're any, sending royalty checks too. You jest. Yeah, yeah. I hear that. It's not a the lot way it works. <laughs> it's not the way it works. It's not, it's not the way it works anywhere, to be honest. Um, uh, I, it I, can't, I can't blame Workshop it for that. Should. It's not, it's just that no, no, you, you, the art is bought after you the moment you do it and all mm. rights are, are, are disappear with it. But it's still nice. Um, I'm getting long way it continue. I know there's a piece coming up. Um, I'm not sure when, but uh, 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 Whispers in the Warp have revealed that a, a, a Necromunda, a certain Necromunda character is returning. Oh, that'll be fun. And I think, um, I think she's, she's getting, um, uh, uh, new art based on my original illustration. Well, I look forward to seeing that reveal stream. So, uh, yeah. We have a comment in from White for Wolf. He, Gork or Mork? Why not both? <laughs> he says, Gork, no, I mean Mork. I mean, maybe <laughs> Mork. <laughs> or possibly, yeah, Gork or possibly Mork. Yeah. Uh, Kabanda. Probably Mork and probably Gork. <laughs> Kabanda ask of uh good old greater demon showing up for the chat my least favorite greater demon always good to see him invading uh says he's a fan of your corn terminator art 
but must ask what mad genius made you give him a chainsaw finger? Is it? I can't remember. Is it two? Is it the two? Because he's, he's got. Has he got? He's still got a little finger. He's got. He's, he's, I think he's missing the little finger, but he's still got. The, he can still pick things up. And then the two fingers in the middle of the chainsaw. Um, I think because I wanted. I wanted that that hand to be expressing, because his other hand is down yeah. with with the, with the pistol, and I wanted. I wanted a gesture here, a cruel, a cruel gesture, and it's very mm. hard to do that. If, if all the things are gone. <laughs> so I think doing that uh, is it kind of gave me that you know uh, thing. Yeah, and Zombieland pointing out Zombieland pointing out some more uh minis based on your art in recent times of the the new Fabius Bile design and uh Helbrecht his servitors. Uh yeah, it seems like there's a model designer at Games Workshop who seems like they're just kind of going through your old catalogs and it's like, yes, I will do this one and I'll do this one and I'll do this one. There's yeah, a very I big somebody, yeah, over there. somebody there that still likes somebody that still <laughs> likes my stuff. It's nice, yeah, it's lovely. Uh, Godzilla sending a super chat. Ask uh, Mark what he thought about the Chaos Dwarf trailer for Total War Warhammer and how Creative Assembly combined the aesthetics of the original designs with the modern Forge World design. I yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was um, uh, yeah, true to the original spirit, but also kind of had enough. Um, Kind of new stuff. I, I think it was the color schemes I was most surprised by that they were, they went with that that classic red, blue, and yellow because I thought, nah, they yeah. wanted that, and they did. And I'm like, oh wow, you really leaned hard into the old school. Yeah, I um, was I was shocked when they revealed that Astrogoth was going to be based on his actual mini. Yeah, <laughs> instead yeah. of like I thought he was going to be like a full dreadnought Terminator thing, but it's like they made it work. I it, it works great. I think I think so too. Yeah, yeah, that was really fun. Uh, we got another question uh, in from the Deacon Bosco who asks, uh, what are your thoughts on the modern art direction that Games Workshop has been pursuing? And if you had to give them any advice, what would it be? Um, I, th uh, I like a lot of it. I think they, they have more of a, of a kind of um, unified feel and vibe to all the art now back when I was there. And, and, and certainly in the time before I was there, there was a, there was a, much wider variety of uh, yeah, of a lot style. of different styles. Mm. Um, when I really like that because I because I, I thought it, it, these are just different interpretations of this universe, you know. And mm. I think I think all is legitimate. I don't think all art needs to look the same. Right. I understand why they like that from a marketing point of view because it's 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 easier to understand. If everybody's space marines look like the miniature, then you know it's easier connection, easier sell. But I liked I liked the range of interpretation because I think it encouraged players and collectors to actually put some of that own, their own spin mm -hmm. on the miniatures as well. It was like, well, if the artists are doing, I'm going to do it too. When I paint them, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do this head swap, or I'm going to change this bit around because I've seen that reflected in yeah, the art. Yeah, I, I think I definitely agree. As far as like, it, I understand why they homogenize it, but I did kind of prefer the older styles when looking at like in like the sixth edition fantasy books versus the later ones where the later ones it felt like one artist did all the art for a single book yes um uh which it's like yeah okay but it also kind of made the races feel less large less realistic because like realistically they wouldn't all look the same you know there'd be there'd be different cultures within them and different subgroups and um yeah because so you've always got the, you've always got the photographs of the miniatures right to show, to yeah. show that consistency so i i i, I yeah I, I like a little variety although i do i do uh, enjoy uh uh how much the art draws you in with the atmosphere and i think that's mm. that's a big 
bonus that, that the, the current art style has is 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 it is this sort of ominous uh, depth and darkness and terror to it that I think is um uh, quite inspiring. Um, but I also like to see you know il illustrations of, that, that are more like you know toy soldiers and 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 sort of variety of of interpretation. I like I'd like to see. Um, uh, for something like uh, I haven't seen the the Cities of Sigmar book. I love the new miniatures. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm excited. Um, for the book. But I, I'd, be, I'd be I'd love to see a, a breadth of of artistic interpretation in there. It'd be lovely to see. Oh, here's one artist who has illustrated this particular uh, range of miniatures, like they're old woodcuts. You know. And, and, oh yeah, like yeah, yeah. Wildly different styles and wildly different interpretation. And here's here's some loose pen and ink work, and here's a, a, a labored oil painting, and it's yeah, all. It's all, it's all windows into this into the same universe. One of the things that kind of jumps to mind with your description there is that one of the things I really loved about like sixth edition fantasy in particular that was lost in later editions is there were a lot of art pieces in the books that felt like people in the world right. created them where it's like right. it's an actual artist using the limitations that they had to like draw like sketches or paintings on creatures they've seen. Um, yeah. which is made for some really exciting pieces. Um, like, uh, well, that's, I guess I should be say that's not, not all of the later books didn't do that. Uh, like I know the eighth edition, big red book used like a different art style for every race, which was really cool of like the, the vampire counts had like this really smeared, weird looking horror art. And then like, uh, the, you know, like the, the demons were a very different type of horror style, but then like the empire was much cleaner and nicer um which was interesting and it's like i kind of wish they fiddled around with that more uh, yeah I, I like it i like it when the lines between uh layout graphic design and illustration sort of blur a bit as long as you're not losing readability because these are ultimately mm. rule books that players have to pick up and, and be able to flip to, to page to instantly if you've got to wade through all these heavily illustrated <laughs> yeah text frames and it, it gets a little challenging but i think there's, a, there's always an opportunity to to, to drop some of that that embrace some of the uh the world that the, the the books and the games are set in and bring that into into the mm -hmm. real the real physical world i think that's always nice when you get a little bit of that happening uh our next question coming in from desert fox oh i'm sure this is gonna be i'm sure this is a question you've heard many times but like as someone that is technically i guess a creator i hate this question which is what would you say is your magnum opus uh the one that you have the most pride in it's like who's your favorite kid <laughs> ah. <laughs> um man i don't well, that's, that is a tough one is it uh, um yeah which is you know it's one of those questions i'm sure changes like depending on when you're asked it <laughs> yeah it depends on how i'm feeling about something i'm certainly a lot of uh, really sort of uh, uh pleased with, with what i managed to achieve with the little uh board game that i made a few years ago dark deeds with mm -hmm. uh, andy chambers who your your viewers may, may yeah. well know mm -hmm. um and that because one that of the because weirdly a, large amount of andys <laughs> yeah <they're laughs> everywhere. so many of them <laughs> so that was really fun to do because it was art and graphics and and had a, a and a bit of a little hand in the design and we're doing a second edition of that now with uh with rookery so oh, to, okay. revisit, awesome. to revisit that has been has been really fun so i'm really yeah, considering it was just a, a little independent project, it's it's it that it, it it's uh, close to the, close to my heart. Mm. Um, uh, but then of the of the big, I mean, World of Warcraft, some of the stuff I did there, I, I worked on the on the um, uh, a number of expansions and to do stuff like uh, Cataclysm 
which was the um, the first expansion I was on from from the start. And you build the starting zones for new uh, races for the mm -hmm. worgen and the goblins and stuff. And you build these little immersive yeah, I actually worlds. The worgen starting zone that was right. a lot of fun. And again, it, 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 it's also really it's depressing. So, yeah. so well, <laughs> that was the grief. Yeah, um, it's so it's it is so rewarding to see uh, players sort of spend time and, and and develop love for for the worlds that you you had a hand in creating. I think that's the stuff that sort of sticks with you and resonates with you. The stuff that not not um, affects me so much, but affects the people that get to uh, experience it. I think that's the stuff that really really sticks, really warms and resonates. And and, um, and then weird little stuff like uh, I did the design for. Um, uh, uh, Jinx's rocket launcher, fish bones in League you of Legends. Fish bones? Oh yeah. my god! Wow, that so, has to be crazy with like arcane, considering how important fish bones is. Oh, it was the last shot in arcane. Yeah, I said, yeah. "Where's my fucking rocket launcher?" Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful scene. That that was, rocket launcher is like the, one of the <laughs> highlights of the entire show. <laughs> it, it was, it was, yeah, it, it was really weirdly exciting to be, you know, it's, it's. I cannot a, believe you made fish films. That is bonkers. <laughs> well, I've got. Um, shouldn't um, surprise me, but like, oh, I'm, I'm very excited for this Christmas because uh, um, they've made a Nerf version of it, and I managed to get a, <laughs> a an order in. Oh my so god! This Christmas, I'm getting my Nerf. Uh, a Nerf bones. rocket launcher? That sounds it, it's, a little it's, dangerous. It's, 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 it looks amazing. So, yeah, the pre-orders the pre went up for it like a year in advance. Mm. And, I, and I said, okay, who do I know at... Uh, um, yeah, so send me it, one. In the, in the Nerf, in the Nerf organization who I, who I can, you know, hit up and make sure I get one. Oh, that's um, fantastic. So it's, it's, it's weird little things like that because I am a massive uh, nerd and fanboy myself. So I love my, I love my props. I love my, my, you know, my bits and loads of it dotted around here. Yeah, I don't. So I, I don't want to say, assume. Oh, do you, want, do you want your own Nerf gun? I go, yes, I want my own Nerf gun. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't want to assume, but like, it is so awesome that so many of the things that you have, like, not just a finger in a pie, but like the whole hand, are like just exploding nowadays of like love and creation for them. And like, they're coming out as like shows and video games and like all this other stuff. It's got to be wild to see like art coming to life in so I've, many different I've, ways i've put a i've put a i've let it be known within because i live in 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 southern california i've let it be known that if henry cavill's looking for an art director for his show <laughs> he knows where to find me yeah yeah hey yeah i mean come yeah. on he should, Jesus, henry, <laughs> he should. You, know, you, you don't have to go down to the same route that yet that they put you through on the witcher you can surround yourself with people that respect God, and understand the law. Such a, such won't, a mess, won't mess it up. Such a waste. That was so, such a waste. Um, I'm not expecting the call, but it'd be nice, wouldn't it? That, hey, I, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you. <laughs> uh, so we got a question in here from the chat from uh, my Sunday GM. <laughs> he asked, uh, did you have any culture shock when you had to move from the Warhammer setting to the Warcraft setting? Because there, there's... Of course, there's a whole history there, but like yes. there's a lot of really strong parallels, but they have such distinct styles. Um, it, I um, it took me a little while, I think, to 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 just ramp up the scale of everything, exaggerate everything, because mm. even 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 as as uh, overblown as yeah, um, Warcraft as Warhammer Warcraft is. cauldrons are like infamous for like yeah, even so, even 40k can't stand up to the size of those things. No, so all my sketch my sketch work quite rapidly became more exaggerated, more cartoon. 
but it mm. felt, uh, the underlying uh, um, design aesthetic was similar, uh, more whimsical in, in, with with Wow for sure, but still fundamentally, you know, you take you take those archetypes. Yeah, you put your assassin in a in a cloak and a give him a cloak and a dagger and away you go. You know what I mean? It's, oh, but it's a goblin mm -hmm. and he's got massive, huge, spiky shoulder pads and you know, yeah, yeah. So you, it, it's just a question of of, of poking more fun at it. Even though, mm. even though you, you could be argued that um, you know I, I, there was plenty of that going on in Warhammer when I was working on um, sort of fourth and fifth edition, when when we brought in things like squig hoppers, you know, yeah. that, that, there's enough <laughs> yeah. silly. There was plenty of silly going on then, and I think when it came to uh, Wow, it was just even, yeah, up just, a little yeah, more. just even more. Yeah, pretty um, much. Very nice, sweet little comment in from Fire for Wolf. Appreciate it. He says, uh, please don't mark. Thank you for everything. You put into image a lot of what I love. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fire for Wolf. Which I could not agree more. Uh, could not agree more. Uh, we have another uh, uh, question in from Scythe Petals, who said he's a massive fan of your Green Knight piece. All right. Uh, are you able to describe anything in particular that you enjoyed or felt challenged by when it came to drawing the Green Knight? Um, the, uh, uh, the green ink was a little less forgiving than I thought it was going to be initially. <laughs> uh, and then painting all this, all this sort of swirly leaf detail on the horse's caparison. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is a, it is a longer. pretty <laughs> delicate piece. Like I always feel sorry for the, for the painters that feel obliged to replicate that. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not forgiving, is it? Yeah, like not only are these like beautiful leaves, like they're all leaves too. So it's not like it's just like thin lines. Like there's different layers of thickness and color. <laughs> like I'm, just, a... I'm just there because it's a big painting, you know. I'm yeah. just there just doing swirly, swirly. <laughs> you got that poor, that poor guy with the like and aluminum. Then, and going, then <laughs> some, some poor miniature painter cursing me <laughs> for drawing it like this. <laughs> there's some people that have carpal tunnel out there thanks to mark Givens. i mean it could have been worse i could have done it on the back on the pennants as well but the pennants are just mm. in stripes i think i yeah. probably had enough at that point <laughs> uh see our next question uh from maharaja of end uh he asked are there any factions or races in warhammer fantasy that you always wanted to make artwork for but never got the chance uh he gives the tigerman of end as an example um, I mean, there was, there was, I mean, although I, I worked on pretty much everything that, that came out, um, while I was there, I never did any artwork for the empire. I'd love to do the empire now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't think I ever did anything for, so yeah, Kislev, I never did anything for Kislev or anything like that either. Um, well, it's like nowadays we've got, what we got Grand Cathay, we've got Kislev, yeah. the empire, um, uh, yeah, yeah and so 40k i i, I uh the uh the inquisition and the adeptus sororitas were after my time as well or between my time so uh, i never got to do any any of that stuff although wow. i did it i did a couple of sisters of battle for the trading card game but oh, i never okay. did i never did anything for the main studio mm. um, interesting fish people let's chat i love fish the fish people fish don't people. torture mark with the fish people i mean you got didn't the idnef was that not enough for you did you not get no no i need i need now? i need the warhammer fantasy fish people i need oh. the 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 troglodyte needle fanged creepy guys <laughs> from beneath the waves i'm sure they're coming i'm sure it's only a matter of time i i'll keep my fingers crossed <laughs> 
Come on, I know Creative Assembly wants to just keep printing money. Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just got to work out how to get them out of the water. Big bubble helmets, I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, if they if the elves are able to ether see, you know, oh, we'll just make we'll make an invisible magic ocean. <laughs> yeah. All right, fine. <laughs> cool. Whatever. I guess uh, plastic technology now. You just do clear fish bowls uh, to stick on their heads. That'd be all right. Yeah. Wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Isong uh, asks, how deep into the lore of a unit or character do you read when you're asked to draw them? Um, I mean, it depends. I, I, oftentimes there isn't any, or there's very little. It's not It's not always been sketched out. If there's hmm. stuff to read, I, I, I read all of it. Um, uh, well, I, I, read, I read whatever's relevant to the, to the art that's hmm. acquired. Sure, if there's background I need to read, I have I absolutely read it, although I'm not, generally speaking, a law master beyond beyond what's required for the character. Mm. Um, uh, so, just curious, what's like the littlest you've been given in the past? Like, has someone ever just walked up to you and they're like, here's a single sentence, go figure it out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think, what, I'm trying to think, think of examples, but, but oh, certainly, yes, because sometimes... What you're being asked to do is is uh, uh, is essentially expand on a proof of concept. Do we mm. think this will make a good miniature? Do we think this will make a good illustration? Here's a here's a one sentence description. You know, I'll go 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 away and, and give it a go. I mean, with um, I mentioned the squig hoppers, and uh, uh, they 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 weren't going to be squig hoppers. Oh well, um, uh, Rick Priestley was not sure about them. He thought they might have been a bit too silly, mm. um, and I said. I, I I think they'd be great. Let me go and draw one. So I drew one. And he went, yeah, I, yeah. We'll, we'll put them in. So you know, <laughs> I love that. You know? They're like practically their own sub race in AOS now, <laughs> which is like yeah. there's like all these different variants, and there's like armored versions now, and it's like there's such a whole their whole their whole thing. <laughs> yeah, we done because we done the we everybody agreed that the the goblin the the, the squig hunters and and the net the goblin netters were fine. Mm. But the, the, there was concern that the hopper might be a joke too far. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad it's in that not to be the case. Yeah, and then they're like, okay, well, now we're going to make manglers, the mangler squid. Yeah, we'll like take two giant one. ones and chain yeah. them together. Yeah, and it's just it's just gotten more and more. And now they're, uh, I think they're called, I think they're called like loon squig bounders or something, which in the AOS, they have lances and they wear like I love, knight, I love those. knight armor. Yeah, I love those guys. Those, yeah, those, those are fantastic. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So I'm I'm very glad you drew that piece of art. Me too. <laughs> so we got those. Me too. Um, yeah. Uh, Dawi asks uh, Dawi four. Was there an art piece you made that? Well, actually, okay, we just talked about that. He was asking if you've made any art that influenced the lore, and there you go, squig hoppers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and oftentimes it was uh, there. There would be uh, a very very brief uh, brief from a writer. And it was well. This character needs to have. Uh, here's a weapon it needs to have. Here's a thing that it does. And mm. then you you sort of fill in the blanks. And then the writer will take those filled in blanks and incorporate them into the law uh, or sometimes the rules as well, if that if that's required. Yeah. So I guess is there anything you ever recall making on a piece where like a writer or somebody saw it and was like, oh, okay, well we're gonna make this like a part of the character now because it's like it's so awesome looking. I'm trying to think of something um, specific. Uh, there was, 
I, yeah, there was, I mean, I, I think of, I'm trying to, just because we talked a little bit about not working with Nigel Stillman. And I think when I did um, Orion, I, I'm not sure he had, mm. I'm not sure he had, the, he would have had the hunting horn for sure. Um, he, he might not have had the dogs. I don't remember. I might have, I, yeah, I, I'm I looking at your, your piece of him where he's got the hounds, which became so iconic to his design where the fact that like they even later got minis, I think in a later, uh, six edition, uh, uh which yeah. was later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was certainly interesting. And your, your Orion oh, well, is well, so yeah. scary looking. Um, <laughs> I love his design. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I did, I did a, um, a concept sketch when I was working on the black Templars. Um, hmm. and I did, uh, um, Chaplin Grimaldus with his retinue. Uh, and they were oh, yeah. there was no there was no um they weren't there was no brief for the, for that at all i got i got the idea that i i was a little concerned at the time might be um might be crossing a line which was the idea of the servitor carrying uh the the aquila i i was a bit concerned that it was a little too christ like mm. uh christ carrying the cross and i thought i i i man this might be i might i might might have pushed this Beyond a, um, uh, an acceptable line, just because because so much of of um, of, of the Imperium it, it draws on 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 a lot of that old what would be old old Earth um, yeah. uh, uh, religious uh, iconography and stuff. So I'm not sure this might be. I might it might be too blatant, is what yeah. I thought. Mm. And the the powers that be saw it and said, yes, we're going we're going to make that. <laughs> we're doing that as a set of miniatures. Like, <laughs> yes, awesome. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then and then they get written up and they become part of the law and that kind of stuff. So it, it happens, and it ha yeah, it often happens with with concepts. Obviously, with concepts because that's part of the brief. Um, but with illustrations, elements of an, in illustration too uh, can certainly. Um, I mean, that's when it's working really well. That's when the relationship between art and design and sculpting. All, yeah, which I think is ideal. Beautifully. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't you don't want it pigeonholed into them. This is your job. You just do what we tell you to do you draw this thing and you sculpt this thing and then you write about it. it's so much better when it's all working as a as a big old melting pot of ideas mm. and yeah vergero definitely agree we we always need more squigs so we, we sure. thank mark for that <laughs> uh My pleasure. asked uh were there any strict guidelines you had to follow when designing that applied to all characters within a certain setting uh, what were some of the limitations you had to work within uh i can't think of anything um <clears throat> i mean i mean in as much as the the characters uh exist within a, a universe and you know you're expected to uh stick within the confines of that but um if there's a if there's a reality if there are there are rules of the world um I mean, if you're dealing with with fantastical characters and creatures, there there are boundaries that you can you can push against, and sometimes mm. those are the, those are the most fun to test, you know. Um, but I think a cool as again, the rule of cool is always is always is ever present. So if if there's an if there's you have an idea for a character or a creature that is not that is outside the conventional bounds, but you say no, actually, there's, a, there's this could work. There's a there's an internal logic to this that would make sense, and then you get to pitch it. To the designers or the writers, so I know you told me to do this, but I thought this. What do you reckon? And if you, mm. if your argument is compelling enough, there's a there's a reasonable likelihood that um, that they'll they'll roll with it. 
Awesome. You, Lindsay, uh, coming in here, do you ever get told you you didn't have enough skulls? No, no. <laughs> we, need, we need more skulls. No, never enough. Never enough skulls. <laughs> never enough. Uh, so Islington asks, uh, how do you feel about the evolution of Warhammer art over the years? And do you, is there anything that you think may have prompted the way Warhammer art has evolved? Uh... <clears throat> um yeah losing their art director hasn't helped you know i don't think i think i think a uh hmm. i think john blanche was always a uh a great guiding hand and, and and though he has now retired he had he had stepped back from sort of the day-to-day -day art direction quite some for a number of years and i and i think um i think in in the artwork i i i think there's a tendency i'm not I'm going to say this now, but I, I don't. I'm going to then counter it, but I don't think it's true with the miniatures because I think the artwork feels a little safer, but the miniatures conversely don't. And I think mm. that's because you've still got people like Jez Goodwin and um, Brian Nelson and Seb Perbert just doing amazing design work from that point of view. That mm. I do feel like the, the the cutting edge of the art at Games Workshop is 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 in the miniatures these days more than the illustration. Hmm. I think I think that's been I think that's been heading that way for quite some time, and that's not a criticism of the of the illustration work because I think there's some beautiful art there, but I think it's less um, uh, revolutionary than it once was. Yeah, like there's you know when you say that I I, I do very much agree. Of, there's a lot of really pretty art, but it doesn't kind of feel like necessarily in the old days where uh, it felt like a lot of the older art was a, a little more. <clears throat> bold in a sense of like i feel like when i look at a lot of the old art i i look at it and i go oh man i would love to have that like blown up as a poster on my wall whereas when i look at a lot of the new art i go okay this is a nice compliment to what i'm reading or this is a nice like uh system to build the story that i'm that i'm kind of flipping through but i don't really see a lot of them as like oh i want this as a a painting or right. like a, a photo on my wall it's just kind of more of like oh this is nice um, not all the time. Like there are exceptions, but that, that's yeah. that's kind of an interesting. Um, there's yeah, there's definitely yeah. a difference. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I think um, uh, as the as the company has got bigger, I think that the the um, uh, the artist's position in in the not even the hierarchy, but just in the pipeline is is further along than it used to be. It used to be mm. earlier, and you used to get artwork that was a little bit more surprising, a little bit more dramatic, because it was still you know the, the product was still being figured out now it's like by the time the illustrator comes in all everything else is taken care of the concept art the miniatures and then the, you know it's just like that you now need to, just, to draw a picture mm. of this and consequently it's kind of and it needs to be in this style because this is the style we've established this is what our players expect to see when they go into a, a games workshop shop and pick up a copy of the book they, yeah. they don't mm. they don't they don't want to be taken by surprise really i mean i, mean, I don't know i'm I'm assuming that that's that's a conversation that's happening, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just this is this is um, this is the feel now they want with all the books, and they want they wanted to yeah. they wanted to have this sort mm -hmm. of vibe. I think you still get you still get a variety when you look at like, sometimes like black library novels and things like that. You know, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, covers, I, yeah, a lot yeah. of cover art. Yeah, I think there's I think there is more freedom there, but I think um, uh, on the actual books it tends to be a little bit more on the, on the codices and the army books it tends to be a little bit more um, uh, predictable. Yeah, like one thing I've noticed is that like if they release a campaign book, the campaign books tend to have like these spectacular, really interesting pieces that are depicting like what's happening in the narrative. 
um, where they're right. like, oh, we want to show off like this really epic battle or like this big thing that's happening. Whereas the army books, you kind of have like, here's a picture of this unit or here's a picture of this character. Um, and they those those seem tend to feel a lot more tame um, for whatever reason that may be, um, which is kind of I mean, uh, yeah, my 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 favorite cover of the last um, probably the last year or so is actually the limited edition cover for the um, uh uh, the uh, the city the, the empire uh cities of sigma book which is mm. just the graphics it's all those it's all those diamonds yeah all, yeah all the, all the, with city, all the, the city, city banners city yeah. sigils on it i just think that's an amazing piece of graphic design completely different from from, from what you would expect to see and not the, what's on the regular cover but it's yeah just normal so, covers being like here's a guy from this army yeah here, here <laughs> which is, of course, that's fine but yeah, yeah no, the, the special I, edition I was like oh my god that's amazing and it's just such a bold choice it just made me it stirred up old long repressed feelings no no i I remember when when covers would come along and go make me go oh wow yeah yeah. i i got the limited edition seraphon cover because it has like this big bold symbol and it's got like this really unique like background art style as opposed to just the generic art which is just another saurus on the front page right um yeah 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 so yeah it's interesting Yeah, unusual and unusual or unexpected covers. I gotta understand why why there's a they have to hit the sort of the the um the, yeah, the yeah for standard. the average new person it. that wanders in the store can look at a book and go, Oh, lizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that is interesting. But uh, so yeah, I think special editions, yeah, maybe that's a good sign that, that when it comes to those um uh, uh those those more limited um releases that they, they're feeling a little bit more saucy. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. Uh, so we have our next question from Lionsaurus, uh, asking, uh, of all the various settings you have worked on, what has been your favorite setting to do art for? And I guess let's separate fantasy and 40 K for this particular discussion. So whether you're looking at fantasy 40 K riot, or so I guess the league of legends universe, uh, or the world of Warcraft, uh, or, uh, the other projects you've worked on is, is there one that kind of rises to the top? Um, I mean, I'm going to put a plug in for what I'm working on right now, which is the okay. crown, which is what I'm doing with, with, my, with my teammates of Rookery. Yep, um, very excited to see where that's going to be going. Yeah, and I think it's because it is well, we can do anything with it we want with it. You know, we, we it's a it's a it's a classic, uh, dark, gritty fantasy universe, but because we're still setting up the pillars of where we want it to be. We, you know, it's it's as an artist, it's incredibly uh, exciting and liberating to know that yeah, well, you know, we can make it whatever we want it to be. We can we can build those 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 classic archetypes that the players want. You know, GMs wanted wanted stories that GMs want to tell, and then worlds that players want to explore and adventure in. But we we get we get to do that in our own in our own style and and create our own NPCs and our own threats and our own casual. <laughs> Yeah, characters and monsters, you know. That kind of I'm curious to ask, do you tend to prefer when going into projects, do you tend to prefer if you get to like be given like a much more blank slate of like, hey, just do whatever and <laughs> let's see where this goes? Or do you prefer when there's kind of more of an idea of like, okay, here's the lanes we're really wanting to go down and see what you could do within these very defined spaces? Like between those two dynamics, is there one that tends to appeal to you more? Um, I like both. I like. Uh, um, I, I don't mind working within constraints as long as it's understood that as a concept artist, I'm going to. It's my job to push against them, you know, and occasionally mm. break through them um, because that's how you you 
you, you know you, you get better you get better ideas out there is, is kind of bumping up against um <clears throat> the convention uh but yeah obviously starting with a with a, a blank slate or or a, a loose open open brief is always really cool for sure mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i know i quite like the challenge of, of working within um an existing universe uh, okay yeah. cool uh, our next question in from Hyos is, do you have a favorite province within the Empire of Man from Warhammer Fantasy? And if so, why? It's a very specific kind of lore question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where I reveal. I, I did tell you I didn't work on the Empire, you know. Ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know if like maybe well, to, to, uh, to Midland jumps out at you more, right. with, like the Ulrikans or uh, Reichland with their more Sigmarite leaning. And, and see now I'm thinking if 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 it was if 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 it was real if I was living there, if in, if you know if I had to pick a province mm. as a to, to inhabit, I'd probably want to be Talian. I think, I think mm, I want to be fair. I want to be down there in, enjoying the the balmy weather. Yeah, there, well, there is that there is that endless joke in uh, I think a lot of the black library books when things are going tits up and they're always like you know I hear it's nice in Talia this time of year. <laughs> I imagine it's like I imagine it's like uh, you know uh, uh, Italy, you know, like mm. like Tuscany, probably, you know, and you're far away, further away from the from the yeah. influence of chaos. Probably, uh, we have a is question it, here from Hammond uh, who asks, "What was your opinion on the end times?" Because I guess he just wants to just throw that into the conversation. I bought, for some well, I bought a lot of very expensive books. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> that's, that's about all I can say on that one, really. I mean, I, I, I mean, I understood at the time it seemed like madness to to, to throw it all out, to throw, to throw mm. the baby out with the bathwater. When Games Workshop brought back, um, when brought in uh, Age of Sigma, and initially I, I thought, oh man, I know this was pretty much sink or swim for the fantasy line at the time, mm. um, but it seemed a crazy thing to do. Uh, but we, you know, the, all the doubters have been proven wrong because yeah, weirdly it worked out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I would never, yeah. Have, I would never have put money on it. I would have thought this is this is just this is yeah. A disaster. I, I, I will always give major applause to the team that picked up the pieces after all that shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Though he does ask, is there any moment from the end times uh, that you would have? Is is there any art you've ever seen from the end times or a moment that happened to the end times that you would have liked uh, to have put to Put to page. Oh, Thankful doing something terrible, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, like Thankful destroying the city of Noln or one of those other things. Yeah, yeah so, but, something yeah. very scaveny. Very, yeah, awesome. That is, yep, super classic. There, <laughs> uh, Jiggy asks, uh, as you've done work on many different universes, do you have any opinion on when people try to do crossover fan fiction? I um, fill your boots. I say, do do whatever you know you enjoy. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think I've read any of it. I can't recall uh, specifically reading any of it. Um, I, I, Generally I speaking, little, it's a dangerous I, pool to wade into, in my experience. Sure. Oh, no, that, no doubt. <laughs> I get a little bit ugh, when I see uh, uh, whenever I go, I'm at a convention. There's always a lot of um, uh, fan fiction art that the artists are selling peddling on their on their stands i get a bit like oh god really oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um you know hey you, i who am i to, to stand between um the fans and their and their audience or oh, the, the the fan artists 
and their fan customers. Yeah. And if, they, yeah. And if they want those two universes mashed up and they want they want to buy a print and hang it on their wall and nobody's hurt in the process, I say that know. is actually probably one of the mo most wild experiences whenever I've been to a convention is when you get to where all the art people are hanging all their stuff and you're looking and going, Whoa, there are some things here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Infiltrator of Troy asks, uh, how do you feel about the art designs that Creative Assembly went for the Lizardmen in Total War? Because they did use some very unique uh, new designs for things like the Croxagor and the Slon. Um, I don't know if you've seen them. I um, not cl not up close. No, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't comment on on anything specifically. Um, I mean, I've, uh, all all I've seen of, of, of Total War um, uh, is it, it yeah, just a, a, a glorious. Uh, interpretation from the tabletop i mean i the first um warhammer uh computer game i played was shadow of the horned rat yeah yeah the og so, or, yeah little blocks <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah the little, color, of the OG. little cut of colored blocks marching across the tabletop was yeah it's it's come a long way yeah, I, so, that um, it has yeah i i, I mean I, I it's wonderful to because you do get to see the the the, the scale of it as, as much as we love the tabletop and, and playing with with miniatures when you get to see it rendered on a on a battlefield to the scale that it is in um total war with the effects going and the animations going it's it's, it's glorious to, to see that the translation right through to to that level of um of mm. fidelity it's amazing uh another question from infiltrator of troy um that i think i might know the answer to this but i'm curious if you it'll be different uh is what creature or character or place that you are responsible for are you the most proud of and why are you proud of it so what was the what were the, the qualifications so the either a a creature a character or a place see now the two, two we've talked about earlier because they're, they're they're now most in my in my head yeah, that we talked about the Warcraft Felix's place. Felix's pants. Yeah, Felix's pants. Well, and, and the, then the squig, and hopper, the squig hopper, which is a creature. There must be something else, though. There must be something else. I can't just I can't just go to the, the ones that are now most stirred up in my brain. Um, <laughs> I mean, in, t in terms of in terms of characters, like I. Um, See, I, I I know of a creature piece that is like for fantasy that survived pretty much unchanged like your uh your troll art which has now become what we know as stone trolls oh right um but even in like the new age of sigmar trolls are based on that design where they've got like the bulbous nose and the the ears and I stuff mean, i mean they they were they existed as miniatures first it was a pretty that was a pretty oh, straightforward uh, um translation for me yeah um i want to say it was the perry twins i'm not sure if that's true i think you mm. sculpted those um but yeah, those, those were, that was just me sim simply sort of drawing a fantastic miniature. Um, so I can't, yeah, I can't take credit for cre for creation there. Um, I, oh, um, I like Marathi that I did back in the day. Yeah, um, I, I was looking at that. And uh, I think it was, oh man, who, who, who did the sculpt? Was it Chris Fitzpatrick? I don't know. Somebody might know. Um, but when they did her, they did the sculpt of her based on the first um, illustration that I did for her, that was a that's nice when you get to because you get to dive into the to the 
to the aesthetic that's already been creating. Oh, I'm going to do a character based on, on, on these designs so I can exaggerate and go super crazy because it's a hero model. I can give them a much bigger hat, which is always the, the, mm. the, <laughs> the immediate choice you make, bigger hat. Um, and that's always really nice because you're playing in you're playing in a in a in a in a safe uh, a safe sand pit, right? The, the, the boundaries have, have been established. We know what the dark elves look like. Okay, but you want to do a character of the dark elves, right? An ancient sorceress. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So where mm. you go and you play with that, and that's always really fun to do that. So um, I quite like her. Um, awesome. Yeah, this. I mean, I mean, most of the most of the projects I've got to work on, there'll be there'll be one at least one character or creature that i think um, that I, I i think i did a good job on i don't there's not a lot of pride in in, in as much as like most artists i'm i'm pretty dismissive of my work in general <laughs> so it's, it's as much as you, you you might as well ask which of these can you stand looking at yeah yeah i i feel like uh i i say this with love but it's like most artists i've met are like some of the most self-hating <laughs> look at the art and they're like ah oh, god get away from terrible me. <laughs> terrible uh, uh imposter syndrome terrible yeah. imposter syndrome which yeah, is so. of course ridiculous because your stuff is amazing but it's what pushes you on to do better work there's very few artists i've ever met that that think they they, they couldn't do better and the ones that do think that don't tend to get better as artists mm. because they think no i'm as good as i need to be um and you kind of stop uh uh improving i think as an artist if you get to that point so it's, mm. I think most of us, most of us want to continue not liking our work that much. I like, I, I like it if I like mine a little bit more, and I'm sure my teammates at Rookery would like me to like my stuff a little bit more. So I, keep, <laughs> I, I leave it alone. Yeah, I just say oh, it's finished now. It's finished. It's finished. It's like, oh, I can do it. No, I didn't. I, I had to go back and tweak his face. His face was rubbish. Uh, so uh, Victor over here asks, uh, do you have a Warhammer Fantasy roleplay story uh, that you that sticks out in your mind? Uh, like a particular particular highlight from your experience with the game. How do you mean by a heck yeah moment in, in terms of... I think he means in like a, a moment where you were like, oh, that was so good. Like that, like either a triumphant moment or a particular story beat that due to dice rolls or the way you played your character is just stuck in your memory. Uh, oh, as a, as a player? Yeah, as a player. No, I lose all the time. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not good. No, all my all my effort, all my creative effort, all my imagination goes into the, the painting of the miniatures, and then I wheel them out on the table, and they are summarily decimated by by a far better player. Um, if I can survive to like the end of round three, I think I've done pretty well with myself. <laughs> what um, about I what don't... about like the the role play campaign? Have you played uh, the? I oh, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, Bogenhaven, uh, a chaos gate opened over Bogenhaven. Yeah, that happened to me that. too. Terrible. Yeah, 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 it, yeah it, it makes me feel better. That happened to my well. that happened to my party as well. <laughs> we just we just hung around. Not, we just hung around enjoying the festival and didn't really uh, pay attention to what was going on around. Yeah. Us. So yeah, I can't. Yeah. Bogenhaven no. had a bad day with my no. <laughs> with my party. <laughs> it is no longer there. <laughs> That's no, I, no, I was. Um, uh, Trying to think of other campaigns. I ran a I ran a, a RuneQuest campaign in, in in my teens for about three years, um, and that that was that was always fun to, to be in charge of the uh, the misery, meeting out the misery. <laughs> um, uh, but I don't recall any 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 great triumphant moments of play. Um, oh, I won my first game of Blood Bowl. Oh, uh, yeah, that's always very good. Wow, playing, that's playing with God. a Skaven. Yeah. I've been playing 
a bit of quite a bit of blood bowl lately and like I, there is no game that i hate so much on this world that i just keep going back to play <laughs> it makes me so mad it's like it doesn't matter how much strategy you use in that game it could just decide no nah, you're gonna lose <laughs> there's nothing you could do screw you i hate jenkins workshop for creating that game it's so rage inducing uh it's addictive though it's fun to play yeah um, yeah uh infiltrator troy asks do you if you had to choose would you prefer to make art for fantasy or art for science fiction Fa uh, fantasy yeah I, uh generally speaking i mean 40k is sort of space fantasy really you know yeah it, it, yeah you know, it's it's definitely... not, nobody's asking me to draw sort of sleek uh you know futuristic design stuff it's all fairly clunky and riveted together and it's all it's all fairly um uh, medieval in its aesthetic but I, I generally generally prefer fantasy to science fiction. Hmm. Uh, and then he asks, uh, do you have any particular go-tos when you're trying to draw on inspiration for projects? Uh, I, I have a routine. Um, um, I've, I've usually got four or five pieces of art on the go at various stages of development. Um, and I try and charge up the subconscious with ideas at the start of a project and then leave them be for a while and get on with other stuff. And my subconscious knows, I know it well enough now to know that at some point uh, 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 a possible solution will come unbidden into my conscious brain when mm. I'm thinking about something entirely different. Um, and that will be the, the, the trigger for, for a piece of art. It's like... Um, there's an author I wrote, uh, I read uh, that was talking about where he would get inspiration, and he said he treated his subconscious as a like a small dog, and he would throw sticks for it, and the stick would be, I've, I need to write a chapter about this particular character, and it, that would be the stick, and he'd throw the stick in his mind, and his mind, the dog, would go running after the stick, and eventually, <laughs> and it would chase the stick into the bushes, and eventually it would come back, hopefully with the stick, sometimes with a dead frog. Um, but hopefully it comes back with a stick and, the st <laughs> and, and, and that's the answer. And, oh, yeah, that's what I need to do now. And away you go. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. Whatever method you 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 find to get your subconscious to work uh, on your behalf is is good. But it's kind of you have to treat it as a as a as a separate thing and don't force it. I never sit down with a blank sheet of paper and no idea what I'm going to do, because if I do, if I if I were to do that, all I would end up drawing is something I've drawn before because muscle memory would ah, kick in mm. or it'd just be a bit of a lame idea. And like, oh, that's very pedestrian. That's very, that's very run of the mill. That's not, that's not very imaginative. It's like, no, I got to let, let my subconscious go away and, and think for a while. And then it'll come back when it's got something. Do you just kind of like carry on with like normal days or do you like, oh, I'm going to sit down and like watch these kind of movies or I'm going to like look Some, at this kind of yeah. art. Some, sometimes, sometimes it'll be, I'll, I'll put a movie on. Or usually I, 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 um, I, as I say, I'll have, uh, several pieces of art in various stages of development. So if if, if I'm if nothing particularly imaginative is coming through, I know I've got a, an illustration that I'm halfway through rendering, mm. but I've just got to sit and paint, you know. And it, that doesn't require ah, a lot. Of, yeah, a okay, lot that of, makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't require a lot of imagination. That's just oh, I've just got to cut. It's coloring inside the lines. Yeah, but then point, when that so bolt hits, that. you can go ah. I can put that down and go oh, I'll just make a note on this thing and then get back to that later. So yeah, that's what you. Awesome. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, and that, I mean, I, did, I certainly developed that when I was working in house because it, if you're working in a studio, you expect it to be at your desk at a certain time, mm. which is sometimes a challenge for concept artists because I've got nothing going on in my head <laughs> yeah, right now. We're going to need you to gonna... magically think of inspiration between yeah. eight and five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's always good to have a few other things on the go. 
and then you end up we end up you end up coming home and working into the night because oh that's when you for me particularly my subconscious is is active at night it's a night it's a night owl yeah so mm. yes when the sun goes down my brain fires up so my days can be very long and um, when i if if i'm working for a client and they expect me to be you know at, at yeah. my desk at a certain time <laughs> of day it's like well no I, I i start work usually about three or four in the afternoon and then i work through till like two or three in the morning um, wow. and, and, yeah. and the later it gets the more focused i become so yeah, that's what I do these days. And and now if a, if a client doesn't like it, tough titties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? just to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, so Hammond in here just just bringing up all sorts of painful memories for me. So he said, if forced to do so, for this is end time stuff, would you prefer an art uh, being commissioned to do an art piece of Thorgrim Grudgebearer, the High King of the Dwarves, getting stabbed in the back by Deathmaster Snitch, or would you rather do Gelt, the Supreme Patriarch, getting stabbed in the back by Mon Manfred von Karstein? Oh, I'd give me dwarves and Skaven, no question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fun. Which fun fact uh, is that we actually don't have a piece for that. We do have Gelt getting stabbed in the back by Manfred, but they didn't commission art for Thorgrim getting stabbed. Weirdly enough, oh, <laughs> even though yeah, it's like that, I would go yeah, dwarf versus Skaven. I think it's it's just more more fun to draw. Yeah. Oh, God, that was such a heartbreak. I'm I'm almost glad there's not art of that because it would have made me so upset. <laughs> Though I think I think I've seen uh, a fan like a really probably, well done I'm sure there's fan, fan art. art I'm sure there's really good fan art, and there's probably a lot of awful AI art. But let's not talk about. Let's not open that can of worms. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Okay. Uh, All is dusks asks. Uh, do you have any particular artworks or artists that were your inspirations when you were working on Warhammer Fantasy? Oh. Um... I mean, uh, uh, yeah, my, I mean, certainly my my fellow artists at the time, people like John Blanche and uh, uh, Jez Goodwin and, and Wayne very much. Um, uh, and then outside of Games Workshop, I, yeah, I was a big fan of, of a lot of sort of 70s fantasy art. Obviously, people like Frank Rosetta, but Rodney Matthews was a massive influence on mm -hmm. me, if you know. If you know Rodney's uh, poster work and album cover stuff, because he was one of the first artists that I I was aware of as a kid, who who really embraced that sort of holistic design. You know, he'd have characters, but there'd be props and and and, and buildings and and ah, okay, everything yeah. sort of meticulously. It's more of like an overall his, scene. His style, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, there was not not a single element of one of his pieces that was ever uh, you know uh, overlooked. It was all just he just had such an amazing eye. Um, for that sort of stuff so yeah he, he was um somebody that had a big influence on on me when i come to when i come to work up a, a, a concept for a character or a location so yeah, consider well, every like, aspect consider every element make the make not just a cool character make the world that they live in cool and believable yeah so many of your pieces like have such like fantastic like backgrounds and little you, things going you, on yeah you mentioned the sword master of, of i always call it hoth because that's what it was originally the, mm. the, the E only got added so, so not to confuse it with the yeah, Star, with Star Wars. Yeah. Star Wars Ice Planet. <laughs> we got, we gotta, that, we gotta, tower, that tower in the background is pure Rodney Matthews. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, just looking at like uh, like the, the Lizardman art, it's got like all sorts of like jungles and stuff going on in the background or like, Ar like Ariel's art I love because it's got the whole thing of like the goblins like running for their lives. <laughs> She's chasing exactly. them. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just like so many cool things like that, which just adds so much um, life to the painting. Like it, it's great.
Uh, yeah, yeah. Any chance to tell a, 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 a as a, as a, as impressive as a sort of stoic single figure stood there, you know, backlit in mist can be. If you can tell a little narrative uh, in a piece of art, it's always kind of like it just it just kind of engages people and gets them, I think, a bit more excited about it. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So. Uh, next question from Vigario is uh, much, if not all of your work is in black and white. Uh, do you think Games Workshop would uh, still, uh, do you think that would be, still be a style pursued in the modern age? Or do you think modern people are too obsessed with just having everything colored? No, uh, no, I don't. I, I think, um, no, I mean, we're doing largely black and white stuff with uh, um, the coiled crown. And that was a, that's a, an artistic creative choice largely mm. because it's kind of uh, um i think it can be very evocative uh, uh obviously it's it's generally speaking quicker to paint but actually i, I particularly with with things like uh, rpg rule books you're, you're thumbing through them i think i think um uh, uh that monochrome makes makes the, the book sort of readable um yeah uh, a little more accessible I, I think when when studios uh, move from black and white, or largely black and white, to full color because printing just became so 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 much more cheaper. Um, there were books became harder to read in a lot of cases. It was oh, we can throw all this texture in and all this art and all and it, and, mm. it, and it just becomes um, over overpowering. So I like I like a nice uh, a nice sort of um, yeah, it, it makes black and white books certainly makes them much more crisp. Like it's so much easier. Uh, readability wise absolutely agree with that so i know i mean with workshop um uh i think they still do isn't the necromunda and, and they still do necromunda in black and white that so. could be the case but i don't own any of that so yeah. i don't know <laughs> I, I think that i think workshop have stepped back from the the really really heavy color of um of previous years and i think they're using it a little more sparingly it's still full color books but then but they're kind of easing back on the saturation a little bit and being careful about where they drop the color because <clears> i think they they're aware too that it, it can be uh it can be too overwhelming mm. uh and then let's see so uh, another question says how do you feel about some of the characters in your artwork and how they have changed uh very drastically over time for example, comparing the modern uh, Marathi or Nagash versus the ones that you created or drew. Uh, I mean, I like, yeah, I like the, um, I like the serpent uh, uh, sorceress, uh, Marathi. I think she's awesome. Oh yeah. The new AOS one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think she's, I think she's very cool. No, I like, I like the, um, I think, I think there's a, there's a sort of spirit in a, in a character, whether it's an illustration or a miniature, and I think as long as that spirit is transferred between iteration, as long as you lose that, I think you can upscale uh, a miniature in any in any fashion you choose, as long as hmm. the, the the fundamental essence remains. Is there, is there anything that's kind of like ever jumped to mind of something that has kind of lost lost the plot a little bit? I'm sure there has. Um, I can't. I can't think of. of, of uh, oh well, I um. I miss personal personal preference. I um. I've got a, a um. A plague marine army uh, hmm. that I built largely before the, the Death Guard miniatures came out, hmm. and for me, they're 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 sort of newly infected. So I don't like 
<laughs> I don't like playing Marines with all these giant spikes sticking out on them. I, I, I end up going in and doing lots of snippy, snippy, snippy. But like, for me, they've gone, oh, no, you've gone too far. You've gone too, you've gone too <laughs> mutant. You've made them too sickly. But that's, yeah. so, so, so it's not, it's not that it's, it's sort of, you know, lost the plot with it. It's just for my taste. I, I, I like it. I like it a little. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to turn the slider just down just a little bit. Yeah. Yes. So that's, yeah. That's if anything, I, that's what I tend to do with, with my miniatures is, is ease back on, on stuff that I, for me personally is, is a little too full on. Mm. It's, it's also, I don't tend to collect um, like the big, uh, centerpiece miniatures like the big name characters because for me they're too firstly they're too expensive to risk in a kit bash yeah yeah that's um, yeah i don't want to snip a bit off and go oh no yeah uh, we're gonna need 150 pounds for this this plastic guy like, that you're yeah, gonna butcher I, yeah yeah plus i, I prefer yeah. to make my own sort of name characters i prefer to make mm. a, a chaos sorcerer rather than use Motarian. i don't want to make my i want to kit bash my own Chaos Sorcerer from mm. a number, actually for a number of cheaper kits that when I total them up are more than the cost of Motarian, yeah. but I'm not trying to think too hard about that right now. Kit back, yeah, never no. never ask a kit basher about his receipts, yeah. No, no, God, no. Oh, man. The, the bits, of, the little bits I bought on eBay, you know, for, for to get one, because there's yeah. one minute, one yeah, tiny I, uh, component I need. I had a, I he's at a painter's right now because they're using him for reference for some minis, but I worked with a painter to like make a really hardcore kit bash mini for Tehenuin, uh the the prophet of Sotek character, and uh, like I was like, oh, I want to buy like this and this and this and this, and I don't even want to think about no. how that all added up. <laughs> <laughs> I just choose not to. I refuse to ever do the math on that. Yeah. So to to answer the original question, I I think gen generally speaking, this sort of the the upglow of of uh, of of miniatures and of designs has been largely pretty successful but occasionally for me it will cross a point where i think that's too much for my taste mm. but that's that that's it's it's rarely uh, uh do i think it's gone too far in general yeah well and it's like i've actually been really appreciating when they occasionally do release minis that are a little more not i don't i don't think subtles maybe the right word but they're a little more contained uh, like yeah. you know we talked about earlier the the new uh the new uh nurgle wizard on the horse with the scythe oh yeah where he's like he's not this ridiculous huge monster with a really like it's a far more kind of contained piece that that works so well yeah yeah um, for sure yeah 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 those are the ones i think because they're they're a bigger challenge right to sculpt to come up with because it's I'm not saying it's easy to go for the giant three-headed monster, but it's, you know, you certainly, there's a wow factor to that. Yeah. That, mm. that you, you you have to work a little harder to yeah, find. How do, how do we make a guy on a horse as exactly. interesting as that? Yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Uh, let's see. And then uh, another question is, uh, did you ever make any art for Warhammer or any settings that uh, you just made for yourself and ended up not being released? Oh, there's there's pieces that I'm oh um not as not as personal pieces just for my own amusement. There were certainly pieces I did early on that were um uh sort of uh test pieces to show that I could paint in in the world. And there were other pieces that I that I did that for whatever reason the character or uh, the book it was meant to go in ran out of space and they had to drop the illustration. Oh, okay. Mm. So there's I have a couple of pieces. Um I think in the Dark El the Dark Elves book. Man, the, it just occurred to me. Made the, the, you, need to made the you need to release book. like a the art of Mark Gibbons. <laughs> book. I do. Unfortunately, I, I would, can't do that. Ah, because so I don't I don't own the rights. It's a question so I get asked 
stupid more than, more than <laughs> any other is is oh you're gonna can you do an art book or can you do prints and um I, the answer to that is not if it's somebody else's ip so i can't do a book of my work for games workshop i can't do a book of my work for blizzard um that uh, I mean, is atrocious <clears throat> blizzard might let me but games workshop but that's they don't no they don't let that stick out anymore that is dumb i don't like that <laughs> it's like i can understand that yeah sure they own it they could do what they want with it it'd be nice that the arts artists could celebrate their own pieces uh yeah i, I mean particularly i suppose if they're not actually going to publish the work anymore which they're not really so yeah. uh it's it's just sitting in a drawer well it's like um, i know they uh i think i have it because I, I yeah i bought it but it's like there's a there's a book over here somewhere that's like the art of warhammer fantasy that they released not oh, terribly yeah. long ago um and it's literally just a collection of a bunch of and it's like i i don't think even most of them have like who they're by it's just like just pictures <laughs> it's like come on guys <laughs> basic manners uh well uh, yeah yeah that's a that's a whole another another question of the uh the i mean again yeah i can't i can't blame games workshop for that exclusively because throughout my career i've been asked to, to stop signing my work which um, is that's yeah that's ridiculous and it, I, I sort of got to the point where i said well i <laughs> when i when i was doing the little mg uh, uh and i it went from being something that i would just put in the corner to being something i would lay down or, or hide, yeah I, yeah i've noticed that the pieces it's like part of the environment <laughs> that, that was that was in, in, intentional on my part to uh hopefully reduce the instances of them t asking me to remove the art because the more subtle i made it i i felt the more uh, uh accepting they would be of it plus the harder it would be for them to cut it out yeah. Then, then of course everything went digital, and now it's like easy. If they want to take my 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 initials off my art, there's nothing I can really do to stop them. It's, yeah, it's just I just it just seems a little. Yeah. Um, well, that's super gross. And I, I hate it. Um. <laughs> but again, it's not. It's 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 uh, everywhere. It's I work definitely an has, industry problem. Has, yeah. has asked at some point, would I mind not doing it? And, and my response is, if I like the art, I'll sign it. You are free to remove my signature if it bothers you. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They just. That drives me crazy because it's like, what if someone sees that later and it's like, oh, I want to know who made this so I can see. Well, the the, the, yeah, the increase in anonymity is is a big thing. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a little more insidious. Insidious. The the reasoning behind that is, um, yeah, that's that's relatively well, like it's yeah, especially nowadays with like AI stuff and stuff. It's like I want to know who's making my art. <laughs> oh well, yeah, because you know. Anyway, uh, that's a that's a whole thing. Uh, so, okay. We only have two questions left. Uh, okay. so Islington asks, um, when being asked for Warhammer art, is there ever, has there ever been any discussion that you've been a part of where there's something said along the lines of, we want this art to appeal to this kind of group, uh, or these kinds of individuals, or have you ever felt that there's an expectation on you as an artist to provide for that? No, uh, I no, well, no, not in my time. I, I think that I, I, I suspect there's been a little more of that in later years. Um, I think, I think uh, Games Workshop have identified target audiences. Um, mm. But it, I, it was never the case when I, when I was working there. It was always just because it was all, it was all just so fan-driven. And by fan-driven, I mean the people that made the games. And they still are, are massive fans. But even the people at the top are just frothy beards about about all of it whether that was mm. people like brian ansell and rick Priestley 
Um, the back when it was just a collection of nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so th there was there was faith that if they thought it was cool, there was an audience for it, and that was all it was. You know, mm. I think I'm it. So yeah. No, hey, no, if we no like it, said, then someone yeah, will like it. Yeah. yeah, it's never been said to me. Oh, well, we need to we need to chase a particular audience. Okay, interesting. And then the last question uh, from Infiltrator of Joy is, uh, mm, how do I? How? <laughs> Is it going to be, yeah, be a tricky one? Uh, is uh, how often is it that visual art made first, and then Games Workshop or writers have come to you and said, "Oh, that's cool. Let's write about it or use something, uh, use that." Versus they're giving you guidance. So I guess he's asking of like of chicken, a sliding scale egg, yeah, of kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, of a sliding scale of is it how often is it you create something and they're gonna work with that versus they create something and they want you to work with that yeah i mean generally speaking through, throughout my time um miniatures or, or at least concepts from miniature designers came before the artwork generally speaking um uh, the lead-in times i mean these days i think it's it's far more so because the lead-in times to make plastic kits is vast it's like 18 months it might have shrunk down a bit. They may have got they may have got more streamlined with it. But back in the day when it was uh, metal miniatures, you needed about three months uh, lead-in time for just to, to have, met, have the miniature sculpted and to have cast up enough copies that when it goes on sale, you know you've got enough to 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 uh, meet the demand. So it mm. tended to be the miniatures were getting made ahead of the art, and the, the art would be like, oh, we're putting the book together, right? We got some, we we got some holes to fill. Here's the miniature. Go go away and, and draw draw this thing. To, to fill in the fill in the space, um, you would you would have occasion to talk with a writer uh, about in the early planning stages of the book um, uh, about characters, and you might you might get to, to throw some some ideas in there, uh, which might potentially shape and influence. But in, in addition to uh, the leading time required for sculpting, um, the game's designers had been playtesting with proxy mocked up miniatures. And, mm. and refining the rules and working out what worked and what didn't work. So if you come along as an artist, oh, I like that. That's a cool character. How about I give them this? And they, and they'll go they'll go way off. They'll go off into a little huddle and say, if they give him that sword, and that sword does this thing, is that going to mess with the rules, or is that going to be alright? <laughs> yeah. They'll come back and say, yes, you can do that. Oh no, no, you got to stick with what with what we're giving him. So there's always a, a, a little bit of give and take. But um, I think it's it's the miniatures of 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 what's been of what has dr driven it by and large, I think certainly these days I was so, so quite surprised to learn that um, um, so much of, of the, the the direction comes from miniatures, uh, and that the writers will often only come in sort of once the minis have been decided on, and then they'll write rules for them. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm sure there's a brief. I'm sure that that, that design sits down at the start and says, okay, we're going to do this book, and this is these are sort of characters we want to include, and these are the sort of um, um, races we need to we need to feature, but I also think they, the the concept artists just go away and f fill sketchbooks full of all wacky ideas and bring them back and say, oh, we like to do this too. Um, so it, there is uh, um, it's, it is a big old melting pot. Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes, uh, sculptors, concept artists will have will have laid stuff out, and then artists can come in with designers and uh, writers and and sort of shape the clay literally and 
figuratively. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then yeah. what you get comes out the other end will be, and it's, and, and it, it stuff gets revisited as well. Nothing is ever set in stone. You know, you have to, Games Workshop love the uh, unreliable narrator, you know. Well, we, yeah. I know we mm. said this about this thing, but really we've decided to change the rules or we're going to change a bit of the law because, you know, we've, we've come up with- We decided to bugger that, we're like. doing something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's fine too. Uh, and so, yeah, it may take, as much as much as a new army book comes out, and we all go, oh, they've done, oh, that's new miniature. I love that one. I love that one. Oh, they haven't revisited that one, or they haven't given me uh, uh, a new a new interpretation of that classic miniature. Oh yeah, oh, God, I was Skaven, really hoping please, they would. Please, Skaven, please, well, <laughs> please, God. <laughs> I was. I I went and bought the uh, the new um, Underworlds Plague Monk pack. Yeah, oh yeah, I was, beautiful. I was chatting to the guy in the shop. I said, well, let's, you know, he said, and he said to me, well, you know, hopefully this is. This is going to be, uh, you know, the, the forerunner of I know. a whole We're... new range of of plague monks. And I said yes, and the gutter runners. He went yes. I know. So, it's like you know. right now, if you want to get, they they have so many cool underworld war bands, but it's like you're going to have to pay like two thousand dollars if you want to play you with the army yeah, of the yeah, new skin. You know, <laughs> yeah, if you want if you want forty plague monks. Good luck. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need that. to buy this war band a thousand times. But <laughs> um, well, uh, that's pretty much uh, we're out of time. Uh, thank you wow. so much for coming on. That's uh, two hours. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it flew by. Um, I it's like I want to keep going, but my uh, I talked to a wildlife specialist, and they're like, I have to put out the bunnies at a specific time. You so have to take their, have, their have mom will come, come find them. Uh, but I uh, uh, just want to thank you so much for coming on. It was absolutely a delight. Uh, it was it was an absolute pleasure. I love chatting with you. Love chatting with your your, your audience. It was a great questions. Happy to yeah, do well, it. And, it's it's so great to put kind of a face to the name of someone who has created like a lot of the best stuff that I've grown up with. Like I oh, literally well, was That's born and like I've lived with this stuff my entire life. This That's is very my, kind of you. Thank you so much. This is my bread and butter. I mean, and it's like how many of these pieces have remained like not undisturbed, so to speak, but like they've stayed true to showing how fantastic and inspired the initial creations from like Lord Croak to Heinrich Kimmler to orion and ariel and like i uh little backsider uh information for people of like i remember when ariel was initially being worked on for the total war game and i was getting to sit in on a little meeting about how they were going to design her and uh what everything was going to look like and it was literally to just throw up your art on page and they're like we're gonna oh, do wow. this <laughs> That's uh, awesome. and it's like yeah yeah please uh, yeah let's do that because that looks fucking amazing and <laughs> they did and it looks great um so uh Thank you for all the work you've done for me and millions of other fans and people because it's it's awesome to get to have these things. Well, thank you for uh, enjoying it. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, easy to do. <laughs> so, uh, yep. Yeah, thanks, everyone, so much for watching. Uh, Mark, is there anything you want have like coming up in the near future? Or is there places where people can find you and stuff like that? If someone's like, oh, I love Mark oh, and I want to well, make sure yeah, I... I mean, please, please come uh, come follow us on, uh, on Rookery's. Uh, yep, Rookery Publications, Discord, which Rookery the Publications. bot has been, uh, Nightbot's been plugging that away the whole stream. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, uh, inside the, the Rookery Patreon, where we talk to people in the industry, uh, we, we do masterclasses, which we're hoping to do more. I've been really, really busy working on uh, our first full, proper uh, hardback book for um, for the Coil Crown, which is our. Um, Yep, a I'm going to be buying campaign. a copy of that. <laughs> so, but I'm hoping, to, I'm hoping when that's out the way in the near future, I get to do some masterclasses. I get to get, get involved a bit more with all that. 
Um, yeah, we uh, we will keep everybody posted. Um, we hope to have a new edition of Dark Deeds out as soon as we can iron out all the weird uh, distribution niggles that, that are bothering us, the industry as a whole at the moment. Yeah. Mm. So there's lots of stuff. I would say um, early next year, I'm hoping that we're going to be leaping into all sorts of action. But please come see us on Discord. In the meantime, come check us out on YouTube. You, I'm sure, you know, your uh, oh yeah yeah rooker publications is a is a close friend <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> what we do here. that's awesome yeah so, so uh, more more and more of that because as much as i've enjoyed working for the big companies over the years nothing beats the 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 working with uh close friends yeah well y'all have such a, stuff y'all have meaningful such a you know crazy all-star team over there <laughs> uh so yes rookery it's publications guys please 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 make sure you go check them out uh you can find them on youtube twitch uh, they also have a Discord community, like you said, and they have a Patreon. So please check all those out and please support do. them. Please and do. and and they sell things. So go go. Oh yeah, yeah. We drive RPG. We've got a couple of uh, PDFs at the moment. I say the big book is coming in the not too distant future. Um, not sure how we're going to put that out yet, but we're going to make sure that when we do, we'll 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 do it right. We'll do yeah. It proper, and their stuff but... is awesome. It do- literally does not matter what role play system you use. They design things that are designed to fit like a puzzle piece with it. So uh, regardless, if you play D and D or Warhammer fantasy role play or whatever, um, call of Cthulhu, literally anything, uh, go check them out and you'll find useful things. Give them money, please. Uh, oh, please. Yes. <laughs> do that as well. Uh, but yeah, that's our show. So thanks everyone so much for watching and we'll see y'all next week for, uh, Well, you'll see. There will be a vote up. (laughs) It'll be at the usual time. Anyway, uh, see you guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now.